I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's a very, 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 very special Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, because I have the ultimate announcement. It's good news for me, but possibly some sad news. But hey, I still have the most amazing show lined up for you, ladies and gentlemen. We have little time because this is the last show. Let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hello Steve-O Podcast, episode 93! I've made it back. I've made it back from where I was making a movie last week, and what an amazing time I had. Thank you to everybody on Patreon who listened to the episode that went out a day later, went out on Saturday, but got loads of messages about it, and got loads of uh, good feedback. Thank you so much. I'm pretty sure I've replied to most of you. Um, but you guys already know the news of today's podcast. Um, uh, so uh, thank you for your kind words. I genuinely mean it. If you feel like sending me a message um, after you have heard the news of this show, um, please feel free to do so. On Not on social media. I'm not really honest, to be honest with you. But if you go, if you send an email to hellostevopodcast at gmail.com, um, your your messages are always appreciated. I said it at the start. I'm saying it again now. Yes, this is the final show. It's been something that the patrons have certainly seen coming. I've been very open and honest about them. Still doing the episodes for them. But... Um, and maybe you guys might have got a sense that that was coming here on Hello Steve-O Podcast, but um, we have come to the end of Hello Steve-O Podcast, certainly um, for the foreseeable future. Who knows if forever, but it has come to the end. 93 episodes. I can't. It's a weird number to end it on, granted. Um, there's a big part of me wanted to get to 100, um, but I've done... Um, well over 100 episodes, if you count Hello Steve-O Podcast on the Patreon uh, episodes. And um, I'm very proud of that work. I'm massively proud of it. I'm delighted um, to to have... I, I genuinely look back on a body of work and go, wow, there's a lot of stuff there. And um, 
there's there's a lot of you that might have just come to Hello Steve podcast over the course of lockdown um, through the Waffle House listen to me with Des Bishop and you might have um, come to me that way loads of you have come to Patreon even from there and thank you so much for your support um, but there's plenty of you who have been listening all of the 93 episodes and I'm so grateful for you guys for doing that to, to you guys for doing that um, but yeah what a, what a journey it's been Um I don't know that I would have... I, I don't know if I thought I would Certainly when I started doing the podcast, I said I will commit to it for a year. And then that year ended one week before lockdown and I decided that I was ending the podcast then because I was going to work on writing my new hour of stand-up comedy and I knew that was going to take up a lot of time and then lockdown happened and there was there was no stand-up comedy and there kind of still is not any stand-up comedy so I decided to get stuck into the podcast and that's been a journey in itself over the past seven months of how the podcast has changed and it's it's um it's transformed into uh, better things and I've gone down loads of different routes with the show. There was Football Pony. I had a producer on board um, working with me as well and um, all sorts of, we did all sorts of, remember we did the trips to the pub, all that kind of stuff. It was great fun but finally it has come to an end for a, a number of reasons. The decision does not come lightly and loads of the messages that I got from patrons while very sad that we have come to the end of Hello Steve O'Pog have been extremely supportive and I'm very grateful for, for, the, for the kind words. Um, so I'll tell you the story of, of how we've come to that decision ultimately. Um, but last week uh, I was away on a movie. I did a whole podcast that was nearly an hour of just me telling people the story of the film last week. So I, do, um, I, I got into that on Patreon so I won't be getting into it here. But um, I had an amazing time, basically, is the, the long and short of it. Working really, really long days. I'm, I was exhausted, still feeling it a little bit, but exhausted after having um, done uh, the movie. And I'm really, really, really genuinely excited for it to come out. I'm a very lucky boy that I got to play the lead role in the film. And uh, it, was, it was stressful because you don't even know if it was going to happen. Honestly, you didn't even know if this movie was going to happen. With the way the world is, with the pandemic at the moment, how are you going to be able to shoot a movie? Um, but we did manage to do it. Um, and again, I said on Patreon, but thank you again to the whole team, to all the cast and crew and all the production team as well for making it happen and making it happen really safely. Everything was COVID-19 regulated. There was social distancing in all the shooting and everything that we did. Um and do you know what? Film crews are amazing because they're always doing crazy problem solving anyway, pandemic or no pandemic. So, um, but that has um, been an amazing week for me. It certainly awakened my love of filmmaking. I have basically taken a backseat from acting and went hard into stand-up comedy for the last few years. But the last couple of months... I uh, started get sent, getting sent audition tapes again. I started getting the odd job here and there. And I've kind of fallen in love with it again. And I don't know that that means that my career is going to be in, in film acting because it's such a difficult world to find a, a level of success whereby you could live, make a livelihood from it. But that's not the point. I, I just loved it. Um, and it really awakened that part of me again. And I get, I, even over the weekend, I've been doing audition tapes again. 
So that's one change that has happened in my life. Um, and the other major change that all of you probably already know is that I um, I got into school, basically. I got into a, a back-to-education course, a university access course to be specific, so that I could get into university next year. Um, as most of you would know, I uh, dropped out of school when I was 17 and don't really have any formal um education because i didn't pass one exam in secondary school essentially i failed the junior cert etc etc and um i think that's like 10 years ago i actually tried to go back to school and i ended up getting caught up in the acting world and following this a line of um this life essentially and then ended up from that into stand-up comedy and that has been a fantastic uh, you can't i wouldn't change any of that um but there's definitely a huge part of me that longed to have an education. And today, as I record this on Monday, the 5th of October, coming up to 6 p.m., the, uh, the, I've just finished my first day of school. And I was, we were doing English literature at one point, And we happened to go through all the literary terminology for how we're going to analyze a poem. And I'm like, good fuck, I'm stupid. <laughs> but I enjoyed it, you know. I, it, that's what learning is, isn't it? It's not knowing and finding out and, and taking in information. I can feel my brain has already been expanded with, with one day, you know. And I'm so happy to be doing it. But the realization hit me hard last week when I did the induction on a Zoom call from just before I was about to go on to the film set to shoot some scenes. And the realization struck me massively how much work this university access course is going to be. It's not just a walk in the park. <laughs> and um, so it was then that I kind of... And, and then when the, I was filming, I had no time to be able to record the Patreon podcast. And then it was, it was like a very... I was under so much... Pre- I didn't literally ha- didn't have a minute for a whole week that I could do another podcast. Um. And there's so much work has gone into the podcast. And I said this to the patrons. I've loved doing this podcast. And I'm very proud of what it is. And lots of compliments about the, the production and the level of, of, of quality that the podcast is. And I can't drop that. I can't, I can't continue to do a podcast. And the quality of the podcast drops off because I'm, um, I don't have the time, the proper time to commit to it. I don't think it's fair on you. Um, and I don't, and it's certainly like, I just don't, I, I don't believe in that. You know, you are, uh, for me, I try to do something and I try to do a really good job of it. Um, and that's why it was the only thing left that I could do. You know, if I was to take everything on, if I, being honest here, I, you know, you sit, I sat down and thought of these things. I'm a dad and my daughter is coming to a really important stage in her life where she's starting school and that's bringing up its own challenges. I've got to be there for her. You know, I've got to be there to support her in doing um, in, in doing those. I remember going to school when I was three. I remember how hard school was for me. And I remember how, the, you know, the certain things that were around in my world that didn't give me a safe family structure in my world at that young age. That affected me being able to be good in school. So I'm not going to let that happen to my daughter. So I've got to be there. I've got to be a good dad. And I'm a, and, and I'm a pretty shit boyfriend, if I'm being honest, if I'm looking at my performance of the last week. <laughs> um, and I want to be good at that as well. Um, and of course, like I've had massive dreams about stand-up comedy and, 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 and the podcast and all that stuff. And that doesn't mean that it's all gone or anything like that. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to be doing stand-up comedy again. It does mean the course of my life has changed 
for, as I say, the foreseeable future, probably till till the spring at least. Um, but anyway, I've got being a dad on my plate. I was putting out two podcasts a week. Like, that's a lot. Of, I reckon that's about a day and a half's work between organizing, editing. I produce everything. That's about a day and a half's work. Uh, if stand-up comedy comes back, where am I going to write the jokes? If I'm back out on the road doing gigs again, you know, that's that's a day's work is gone all the time, you know? Um. I've also started writing, I didn't tell you guys here on the podcast, the patrons know about this, but I've started writing a book, and uh, I'm really happy with the first section I've done of it, if I do say so myself, woo! Um, but I'm very excited about that, but that, writing a book takes fucking time, the, you know, for a short book, for what I'm writing, it's got to be 80,000 words for a short one, I've only done 10,000 and obviously that'll be edited and blah, 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 blah. So there's a lot of work that goes into that. I did a full week of writing on that to get to that point. So I, you know, I need the time to be able to do that as well. Um, so I want to be able to create this book. I want to be able to, to, to do the acting stuff. I want to be able to write stand-up comedy. And I really, really want to, to, to pursue my um, education. And I, got, and I want to be a good dad. I can't do all of those things. At a high level, I'm spreading myself too thin, as the fella says. And so it was just one of those things that I was kind of, it did feel like a weight off my shoulders last week when I made the decision to do it because um, it just it feels right, you know. And I said on Patreon last week, the one regret that I have in my life is that when I knew changes were coming or I knew I had to make a decision of a change that I didn't just make the change sooner. Like, I, you know, I might have been in a job for a year extra than I should have been when I could have just moved on. When I knew it was time to move on a year beforehand, you know what I mean? We've all been there. We have all been there. And I feel with this one, I'm really just going, boom, let's move on. Let's make this decision and move forward. Now, I still will, I think, be doing the Waffle House. I don't know how regular I will do that. I haven't um, spoken to Desmond about it yet. Um, but we'll 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 see, you know. But I honestly, I am over the moon with just doing the the day the days work today, the school work, and um, and I feel good about having an education. I'd love to go on again. I know it sound this might sound stupid to a lot of you guys. Um, I'm 34. I'm going to be 35 very soon in a couple of weeks. Um, by the time I finish this university access course, and if I was able to go on and do a degree, I'll be nearly 40, and um, there's nothing wrong with that, but there, I do have a regret that I didn't do that earlier on in my life. Um, and I, I genuinely wish I had something a bit more solid under under my belt. However, it's, you know, I've got great life experience and I'm very proud of it. And this podcast has been a great life experience. I don't think, from the bottom of my heart, I don't think I've had one negative experience from this podcast. I don't think I could say anything bad about it. I've made friends with a lot of you guys on social media. We've had great conversations. Um, lots of you have been very giving of your lives to me. And I've always, with regards to your messages and your emails and stuff, and I've always just tried to be to make something that was honest and that was good, you know? And I think while it's uh, a lot of you might be upset that, that we've come to the end of the road with the podcast, the reason I make this episode today in the way that I do is that... Um, I wanted to show you guys that there's over 93 hours is available there and it's still relevant. You you haven't listened to all of them <laughs> and there's a lot of good stuff in there and there's 
you know, where I started out from when I started doing the podcast, which was I actually recorded the first episode three years ago, and then it didn't. I didn't really have the equipment to to go and do it myself. I had to go the first time I did a podcast. I rented a studio out uh, to meet the guest, and it cost me sixty euro. And I was like, this is not sustainable because I can't pay 60 euro every time that I'm, I'm going to go and make a recording. So I had to buy the podcast equipment, which was microphones. For me, actually, at the time, I had to buy a brand new laptop as well. So it cost me to get the recorders, to get the microphones, to get the cables and to get the laptop, the SD cards, etc., etc., the guts of 2000 euro. Now, I've definitely not made that back on Patreon. I'm not complaining. (laughs) But I'm just giving you a picture of the challenges that I was up against. I was making coffee at the time and doing stand-up comedy gigs. And that's how I made money. So I had to figure out a way to get this equipment so I could make a podcast. And I sit here with all my equipment and it's all still shiny brand new because, man, I looked after every bit of equipment. There's not one scratch on this laptop or on the Zoom recorder. Or these microphones, because I respected them, I wrapped them away carefully. They still go back into the original packaging when I packed them away at night. Because I knew these bits of equipment, they were expensive, but they were so important to me to be able to entertain you guys. Um, and it feels weird, like even with the equipment now that I'm holding, that I, you know, it, I remember just spending nights on Amazon saying, if how can I scrape the pennies together to get all this stuff? And I sit here owning all this stuff while it looks brand new and feeling that I've come to the end of using it a little bit, you know? It's a bit weird. But that was the journey. When, when I first, I wanted to do a podcast for a long time and th- the things that got in the way were I was living in London. I had no money. I was a waiter. I had no time to be doing a podcast. I didn't know who I'd do the podcast with. I remember having a, a, a meeting with one of my uh, colleagues in London who was a waiter as well in the restaurant, and we talked about doing a podcast on our break <laughs> when we were doing, like, 16-hour uh, shifts. That's where we were trying to fit in the time to do a podcast, and we never did, and then I met my girlfriend, and she was pregnant, and, you know, I was trying to get... I, 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 I didn't even have 10, min- 10 minutes of comedy then, of stand-up comedy, so I was really working hard at trying to be good at that as well. Um, and you look back to two, three, four years later, and now, you know, I've... I was writing my second hour of stand-up comedy before lockdown. I've written a sitcom. I've, I've got over 100 episodes of podcasting done. And what a journey it's been, you know? It's been an amazing journey. So, th- like, what I wanted to do as part of this podcast is to say a huge thank you to you guys. And I'm going to dip in and out over the next couple of hours. This is going to be a long-ass podcast. So the idea is that you can dip in and out of this podcast, this final one, for whenever you want. So you can have an experience of some of the conversations that we've had um, down the last couple of years uh, so that you don't feel that I've just abandoned you. You get some highlights from the show here on this episode, but it should also make you go, I'm going to dip back into the back catalogue. There's 93 hours there. I miss Hello Steve-O podcast. Let's go back and listen to some of the old ones that I, that I didn't listen to before. There are some great conversations, and my heart always with the podcast was to get people on that I knew had a story to tell. Nothing about celebrity, nothing about fame or any of that kind of stuff. It was just good people that I knew that had stories to tell. 
So the very first episode that I want to give to you guys really has the heart of that because it was with an old friend of mine that I knew from when we went on that Back to Education course 10 years ago. He since uh, went on to be very successful in acting and directing. He's won an IFTA award. Actually, he won the IFTA award three days after we recorded this conversation. He's become very controversial in the last couple of years because he's an activist, but I think by his own admission, he said um, recent, most recently that he got caught up in the uh, the the right-wing extremist um, outrage cultural um, phenomenon that was on Twitter, and he apologized for certain things that he had said. Um, but that doesn't invalidate uh, who he is as a man, and um, we all have our failings, um, and this is, is John Connors. You, If you're in Ireland, you will know him very well. He is a traveler, an actor, and he's a traveler activist. He's fought for the rights of the traveling community. If you're not from Ireland, uh, travelers are a community, um, a, a traveling community from Ireland, and they are actually a different, uh, genetically, they have been, it has been proven in the last few years. They haven't been given this respect, but they are actually genetically, they are their own race. So John has been quite a, an activist in fighting for the rights of the traveling people. But in this conversation, this is the second conversation we had because the first time I went out to try and do a podcast with him, I got a loan of podcasting equipment. I drove out to his camp where he's been uh, lived with all the family um, within the traveling community. And I went out there and I couldn't get the equipment to work. And all I could do was record it on the phone. And I just wasn't happy with the sound. And he was very kind to record with me a second time when I rented that studio for 60 euro. And it was a, an amazing, amazing, amazing conversation because, um, you know, we had great laugh. But we really got to the heart of something here with him when he talks about how his father died and how uh, what a tragedy it really was. Um and it's one of my favorite conversations of the whole time of doing Hello Steve podcast. It was the first episode, and it's in a lot of ways my favorite conversation. Um, but this will give you a vibe of the kind of thing that we went for when I started doing the podcast. And over the course of this episode, episode 93, you're going to hear from some of the laughs that we had, some of the great stories that we had, some comedians, poets, musicians. And um, I'm just going to give you a real flavor of what Hello Steve podcast has been uh, over the past couple of years uh, thank you so much I'll, I'll, I'll keep dipping in in between the clips um, to have bits of chat I remember this when we went to record this episode in the studio very well I was newly back in Dublin it was winter it was dark I was definitely struggling a little bit um, I had a newborn baby and uh, my girlfriend from Portugal was here as well and I, I, I had a job that I hated at the time I was working for this company where I was basically a, a sales manager for them and I'd never worked in sales before and it was the bane of my life. I hated it. And one evening after work, I ran over to the studio to get him in and have this conversation. And what you're going to hear is uh, a fascinating stuff. If you have the time, go back and check out. This is ep this was from episode one of Hello Steve podcast. Uh, go check it out. The wonderful actor, director, artist and activist John Connors. When we uh, when we did our original conversation and I, that I fucked everything up and <laughs> when I travel out to you in the camp where you're living now, we had the original conversation was that Bell Camp where you live now was right next to Darndale. Yeah, and you lived in Darndale for years, and you're you're a proud traveller, but mm. you'd recently just moved 
back to the camp yeah. from Darndale, yeah. which is, as we were saying, it's literally a stone's throw away. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I know now, but I think there's a lot of people who, who may not have seen your, your documentaries or who know absolutely nothing about the travelling community mm. who wouldn't understand why you would do that. Mm. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about that again? Because it was like you've literally moved across the green to be back yeah. in, 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 in travelling, uh, not in travelling community, but back in the camp. Well, it seemed like um, when all the real, like, uh, problems in my life, serious problems, uh, started to happen when I moved into the house. Now, I had them as well uh, when, I was, when I was a child from when my father committed suicide and getting bullied and that, and then it was like a few years, grand. But then when I moved into the house, it all seemed to just come in on me, and I never felt, I just never felt right in the house. How old were you when, when he passed away? Uh, eight. eight. Eight years of age, yeah. Um, and how does that, I mean, how does the nature all take that in at the time? I remember it happening, um, me father, I mean, like I knew, I knew me father wasn't right, I just knew he was a sick man, you know. Mm. Uh, schizophrenic, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and a few months before he he killed himself, he attempted to do it, and I came in on him and I seen it, and I seen all like uh, tablets everywhere, and came out to my mother and he almost died, and then it split up, and then... Um, me and mother moved back into the camp to her family and back to sort of the more traditional life and she wanted to protect us from what, what we were seeing or whatever. Mm. And I remember he came to visit us a few times and he was just not really right. And then I remember having like a last conversation where he was like giving me life advice. Like he said to me, um, he asked me, the, do you know the name of that car? And I said, no. So if you don't know, you always, always ask a question if you want to know something. So that kind of stood at me and then things like um, never back down from a fight. And he was like, give me this whole spiel and it was really weird. That was the last time I saw him. But the day he died, I was out playing on my own and this is why I could never be an atheist because of this experience. Um, I was out on like uh, the field, backfield of my camp and uh, I was by myself. I was feeling really lonely all day for some reason. And I uh, kept hearing my father call me. Jono, Jono. That's what my family would call me, my mother's side anyway. Jono, Jono. And I kept going, I walked over to my mother and I was like, Daddy's calling me. She's like, no, your daddy hasn't been here in a week, so definitely not him. I went back and I heard him again. And then about two hours later, I was having my dinner. And um, a cousin of my mother's came in and told her he was working in uh, the Belcam College where we shot Carver Gangsters. Right. And uh, she, he came in and told that he, was, he found my father drowned uh, in the river. And that's why I put it in Carbon Gangsters there. The, my character drowned it in the river and sent it to you. Wow. That, what was that experience, putting that into the film for you? Was it tough? Did it... Well, do you know what? It was Mark's, Mark's idea. I had a lot of personal stuff there already, and it was his idea. And uh, I, I don't know, I've always kind of been afraid of that place, like mm. really afraid of it. Understandably. And, uh, even afraid of water. I've had a phobia of water, but you know, even now I'm terrified of water, but I still jump in the sea all the time uh, just to get over it, you know, but I'm still, still afraid of it. So I just found that as a kind of cathartic thing, you know. It was weird, you know. It took me to a weird place, but uh, and it was weird even for a while after the film, but uh, ultimately I think it definitely puts some stuff to bed, I think. Okay. And so how did you find, the, the? you said a lot of the troubles in your life came up, from living in a, a house, a walled house, um, as you said, and and things changed for you when you moved back to the camp? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, the minute, well, the minute we moved into the house, uh, 
like immediately after a week, we had like 50 complaints of noise from neighbours and we made no noise and no parties or nothing like it. And then like uh, we, we had got a laptop and we seen the little, one of the Wi-Fi's was called Knacker Neighbours. So we got a lot of people wouldn't accept us and uh, just our direction straight away and people who were cold with you every day for no reason without even having a conversation with you. That was not a nice starter moving into the house, you know. And then I, I got involved in stuff and I, I wouldn't, I was the type that wouldn't, wouldn't allow myself to be uh, to be walked on, put it that way. Mm. And uh, it got me in a lot of trouble and a lot of fights in Darndale. And Darndale is a place where you get fights if you want it, you know what I'm going to mm. So, uh, yeah, things just seemed to get from bad to worse, you know. And then I, the biggest reason then was when I became politically aware, I had realised that... Uh, that in the Irish state has made, a, has made an effort, a very conscious, straightforward, in-your-face effort to destroy our culture and assimilate travellers. I mean, that was the official state policy. So just for so, people who don't know, that was an act that was passed in the 60s? Was yeah, it? 1963 yeah. Itinerary Commission Act. Yes, it was, all the assimilation policies come in and they talked about the final solution to the idea or a problem to save them from their itinerant habits and uh, to promote their full assimilation to the settled community. So when I became aware of all that and I realised that I was just becoming another statistic, another assimilated statistic, I thought I'm going to make an effort to kind of preserve this and uh, and uh, preserve the way I grew up because I grew up in a camp up until, you know, 16 years of age all my life. And um, I didn't have a, like a straightforward, super happy childhood, but I did have, it was great in ways as well. Like, you mm. know what I mean? It was for the most part. Mm. And, it, and it, it was because of the way I grew up with my family all around me, my aunts and my uncles, my cousins, and that sense of family. Your culture. Culture, exactly, mm. yeah. And uh, again, I, it was another stupid question that I asked when we were out in the camp, but a, a question that a lot of people wouldn't know was like, why don't travellers actually travel anymore? Yeah, you know, because it's illegal. It's illegal now. Yeah, so there's been very various different laws and acts brought in, targeted at travellers by the Irish government to stop us from travelling. Um, and it started in the 20s, really, and, and yeah. So, but here's the thing: the word "traveler" again is another uh, government-given name, right. like itinerant was. Right. So we didn't create the word "traveler." We're minkir. That's what it means. That's what it means in our language. But it doesn't mean traveler. It means what? Minkir. Okay. That's who we are. There's okay. no translation. Only okay. Rules. Doesn't mean traveler because right. traveler doesn't encompass who we are as a people. Right. That's just one uh, element. Tri- yeah, one element like that. We were nomadic. Yeah. But nomadism really just protected our culture. Mm. And a lot of our culture is based in Gaelic Ireland. A lot of the just old Irish traditions. And it's the reason why we were able to keep along, keep keep uh, keep them alive and keep them longer a bit than the Celtic community. Some of the, the cultural traditions and stuff is because we're nomadic. So, And that's when you see, like if any people who are nomadic, uh, that's, when, and that's how you eradicate cultures when you get them to settle down and assimilate. And it started under British rule. So like, Two-thirds of the Irish population were nomadic 500 years ago in the reconquest of Ireland. And Britain had a particular disdain for nomadic people. Because all across the British Empire, nomadic people were, were killed, you know. Was, it no, was the nomadic thing, as, as one of the things that came up in the documentary, was a self-preservation thing as well, so that you couldn't pin somebody down when you were being oppressed by, like, uh, an empire yeah. that you would keep moving so they Absolutely. couldn't get you? Absolutely, and yeah. not pay taxes as well, you know. And that's that where was, it started. Yeah. And that was the whole motivation behind settling people right. with the British Empire. Oh, yeah. In Ireland, to settle them so they pay taxes. So mm. people rebelled against that. And most of the majority of the Irish population travelled. They were either cattle herders or they were bards or poets or blacksmiths. So that travelling population 
after a reconquest of Ireland in the martial law period where people were being slaughtered for, for travelling, that population became smaller and smaller and smaller till what it is today ended up just being this travelling community, you know. How many is there now in Ireland are like official members of the community? 40,000. Okay. Uh, I don't believe it. And I don't think it's necessarily a conspiracy. So there's a lot of travellers won't do the, the census. They just won't do <laughs> it. Do you know what I mean? Down, yeah, so yeah. I think it's like, I think it's double that. I think at okay. least probably. And there's, there's a lot. Most travellers will literally just tell the fuck off. Like I'm not doing that. <laughs> They're real paranoid. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? What does this mean? You know what I mean? Or some will do it and he won't put the to unidentified his traveller on it. Right, okay. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. so our population appears to be much smaller than what I think it is. Yeah. The uh, when I where I grew up in Cork, we uh that's as shows some of my ignorance uh, to it as well, because I didn't know that travellers weren't able to move because where I lived in Cork, they're moving around all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's if that still happens in different parts of the country now or No, there's some travellers still do some like like some will do a little bit of travelling in campers or, you know what I mean, or yeah. won't go on certain, you won't go on private property or even estate property. But then they get rejected from a lot of these pulling sites and all. Yeah, so it's yeah. a tiny population of travellers would still travel. And when you do, it's only in a small number, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. But one of the one of the major parts of travelling culture is is singing, it's storytelling. But yeah. one my experience of the travelling community is they were fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Their characters. Yeah. And especially the women. Yeah, very, very funny. That's something that I, I don't know. People just don't seem to be aware of this kind. I, of I totally agree with that man. It's something I'm actually always talking about. And when I introduce friends of mine, self friends into my community and into my family, that's what they realise, and that's what they remark on the most. Yeah. Like Damien Dempsey talks about that, yeah. the slagging out of drivers, oh, and, and it's constant. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. like it's just a part of my life. Yeah, yeah. And he thinks I'm a great slagger, right? And uh, the mutual friend Teddy thinks I'm a great. I'm like I'm the worst slagger in my family, right? And then they come to my they come in and just, my family will just rip you apart, <laughs> and they don't care. You know what I mean? Uh, the men in my family, particularly, are all good slaggers. You know, right, right. So I think that's a part of just. Any, uh, I think you have to have a sense of humour and people who are who do experience kind of hatred or whatever you have to find a, you know the silver lining you have, you have to, find, to find a light just have you? a bit of fun out of it you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. like Irish in general we have a good sense of humour I know? think so yeah yeah so, and, that's and, uh, one of the tough things about living in London when I was over there is like they're not crack one does not do the banter <laughs> 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 do you know what I mean it's a, it's, it's a different it's yeah, a different man, like, yeah I don't know what it, I, I find the English sense of humour just shite Right, like uh, I mean, scousers and manx now. Yeah, that's but different. but there a lot of them is influenced by the Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah that's true. Like, and they're influenced by uh, the Liverpool, Liverpool, but their accent is basically a mixture of the Irish and Welsh accent. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're northern. There are a lot of Irish planters there, but yeah, the Londoners and that. And let's not generalize, but let's a lot not. of them are not great crack. Like we're already in loads of trouble for this. And I'm born in London, mind you. As well. I know that's right. Yeah. You're English. I was, I was no, about I'm not to say fucking that. English. <laughs> I've killed men for less. <laughs> Maybe. I'm only saying that because every time I call Johnny, he gives me shit because I have an English number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna, uh, no, is man, that Mr. Connors? There you have it. What a guy, what a man. And as I said, like I suppose <clears throat> in a lot of ways in Irish society, he's become a bit of a controversial character. Um, but um, you can see what a story the man has to, to tell. And John always struck me as a man with, with, a, with a lot of... Um, like amazing passion, uh, a lot of anger certainly at times and that happens to all the best of us but anger from a place that is in a lot of pain, sometimes that might manifest itself in in ways that aren't um, right. I know I do that myself all the time um, but ultimately at the heart of the man, I think it's good, you know. I mean, I believe, I, I mean, that's the way I'm inclined anyway but 
a good man and John and I certainly wouldn't wouldn't have agreed on everything but I certainly respect him and I'm certainly a huge admirer of his work and of the things that he's had to overcome in life and the achievements that he has managed to attain despite the dark times and the oppression that he has experienced um that was a great thing about the show. We had all those types of conversations going on, but we also had the crack as well. And about 15 episodes into the podcast, I decided that I, while I loved interviewing people and hearing their stories, I did want to get somebody on that I would be able to have a laugh and have a bit of, a bit of crack with as well. And there was definitely the element of getting other comedians on as well, but I suppose it was hard to get anybody to um, commit to being on a, a double act of a podcast in a lot of ways. And, and I wanted to be able to to still do the interviews but still be able to have a bit of, a bit of, bit of crack and have some sort of a co-host in a way. And at the time I wasn't in Ireland that long, I didn't know uh, how exactly I was going to get another comedian to do that with me. But the only person that really stuck in my mind that would be perfect, perfect for being a co-host on the show was this woman who I had worked with previously, um, as I started out in the acting world, we worked together in a cafe. And uh, she was always threatening to leave. And uh, so was I. And I eventually did. And I fecked off to London. And she's still there. (laughs) She'll kill me for saying that. But um, I really... Jenna always made me laugh. And uh, it was certainly weird for her at the start and it's in a lot of ways, it's a shame to end the podcast because I think you can hear in the last few episodes in particular how Jenna has has come into her own and um, really embraced the format of, um, of the show and really embraced podcasting. Like if you go back to the... We, check i think it's episode maybe 14 or something go back into the episodes of hello steve podcast and look for one that is called introducing jenna she had no idea what a podcast was no idea and i knew jenna was somebody who creatively really was uh, frustrated in a lot of ways and to me wasted she should have her own podcast i still say that now she absolutely should have her own podcast um amazing uh i mean i haven't seen any of her, of her writing but i just know by the way that she thinks she would be an amazing writer so learned within the arts and learned within books and all that kind of stuff but over the course of this episode i'm going to give you a couple of clips here and there from a couple of moments that of the great conversations that i had with her but man the great crack that i had as well um you're all very grateful that she she's around and that i introduced you to her for sure she's a i mean the you guys are more of a fan of jenna than you are of me in a lot of ways (laughs) but anyway here's one of the early clips of myself and jenna back when we used to do them over in her house and I, I do have an attraction to doing that kind of thing, like doing, I know people go to Thailand and spend, you know, two weeks meditating oh, in yeah. the sanctuary and all that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. doing a colonic irrigation every day and not eating and all that. Yeah. But it's supposed to be very good for you. It is supposed to be good. But then at the same time, I mean, I know a guy who got a colonic irrigation. He did it here in Dublin and he said his guts have never been the same since. Oh, right. Not in a good way. Yeah. Because they cleaned out like too much good stuff yeah, like the, yeah. the good bacteria went yeah. to and now he's just like i have a difficult time digesting things so i think i'm gonna stay away from people sticking things up my butt 
I'm just going to go ahead and say that. I've had my ears irrigated, sometimes wax buildup, you know, <laughs> but I'm not doing it in a anus side, <laughs> if you will. Hi, I'm from anus side, Iowa. I know, well, but on, and then there's anal sex. Loads of people love that, but there you go. <laughs> Actually, I have an anal sex story. I'm gonna, yeah, I'll tell it's you this. It's time. I think we've gotten to that point of I our think, podcasting yeah. relationship. Oh, my God. Everyone's screaming out for, for an anal story. Jesus. I'm so, I'm embarrassed. The partner's sister told me she listened to the show, and I was like, oh, my God. So why <laughs> am I going forward with this story? Oh, well, whatever. It'll be fun to talk about on the holiday. On the holidays. They're going to love this. So, okay, when I was much younger, and I was dating this guy, and I was crazy about him, and, you know, we'd get up to all sorts of crazy shit, and, because uh, we're young, and you want to have sex, whereas now I'm just like, can we just watch Netflix and go to sleep? But anyway... <laughs> So, okay, maybe we tried that once, yes. right? Just because, why the hell Because you not? try everything, why you wouldn't do? you? Yeah. And yeah, uh, what did I discover? Not for me. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. So, unfortunately, he was, or fortunately, he was a stand-up comedian. <laughs> and he did a whole show based no. on Girls I've Dated. And it was like, I don't know, something like 15 girls. And he had... So he was going out with you at the time that he did a show about all the girls No, I think maybe at this point. Like, we were we were dating for a while, but then we were friends. Okay, and like, okay, So okay. this is over the course of a few years. Yeah. You know, it's fine. It's back, you know, in, the, in your 20s where you're heartbroken for like two days. And then you're like, I've moved on because I'm in love with this guy now. Because yeah. so, I'm a horn dog. That's your 20s. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're just like, let's get yeah, it yeah. on. Next. Uh, but not at my butt. Um, so... <laughs> He did this show based on all these women that he'd known, but he didn't name any names. And I, at one point, had had a conversation with him after we broke up, and it was it went something along the lines of, he said to me, uh, no, I said to him, sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm, you're, this is going to be good. I said to him, for some reason, remember that time we had anal sex? And he said, uh, no, we didn't. And I said, mm. Yes, we did. <laughs> Believe me. And he's like, no, I would remember that. And I was like, yeah, we actually did because it was the only time that's ever happened to yeah. me. So I would. We, yeah. yeah. And we were all sober and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. like we took precautions. There was planning that went into it. <laughs> oh that God. was you. And he he absolutely denied he never he just didn't remember for some reason. I guess he had a more active sex life than I was aware okay. of. Okay. So anyway, he does this whole show and he repeats that conversation, you know, much more amusingly than I just did. So he repeats the conversation that you've just done yeah, there that was not like, remembering it. Not remembering anything. Okay. And it was all very comical and yeah. how funny that a person would think that it was this person. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. I'm in the audience. I'm laughing. I think it's great fun. <laughs> who am I there with? Two, two people who are parents of a good friend of mine. I don't know how I ended up at the show with them. They were like in their 60s. Oh my God. The sweetest fucking people oh ever. I think they were thinking, I think she might get together with our son. Oh, I mean, it was really like this weird... That was his parents. No, no, no. Or they were just some other parents. Okay. Yeah, some yeah. other parents. And after the show, a friend of mine came up and was like, oh my God, that was so good. You used to date Jeff, didn't you, Jenna? Oh my God, I just said his name. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and she goes, which story was yours? <laughs> and the, these parents look over at me and I'm like the anal sex story <laughs> you said oh yeah I was like I'm just gonna own this shit I was like the anal sex story uh, oh, wow yeah so and good did you times. talk about it again after the show uh, with 
the parents no with the guy no with the guy i think because he'd already said can i use that and i'm like yeah whatever you know so i'm just like why not you know because it's not like he said my name in the show yeah okay so if anybody was going to find out it was just because me going hi i'm the anal sex story so yeah yeah yeah, or you could have heckled him that would have been great as well wouldn't it (laughs) you fucking do remember yeah you do and it was the best of your life okay (laughs) i remember yeah still hurts i've got the scars (laughs) Mm, how do you know that oh i don't want to talk about it oh, okay jesus yeah anyway it's so. a funny one deal i remember going to uh to being in london and being with girls much more liberal than in ireland and they would be making you do stuff rather than you know. <laughs> making you do your and you were there sobbing going sobbing, please i, I don't like, want I to don't but that's i said making you do is it was more yeah it was more like like let's yeah let's fucking go basically yeah, all yeah, the time yeah. it's like oh wow welcome to london baby <laughs> i know there were i mean there are times you know that's great when someone's Some people just, are really into that they know what they want yeah. and they just go for it yeah i am so not like that and when you meet someone who's like it's it's really overwhelming and you're just like of course it is i don't know if i'm ready for this of you course know? of course so, yeah i'm glad to hear it goes both ways for men as well uh yeah it's kind of i mean oh, you're oh, like you're oh, like, i've had the finger yeah i've had the <laughs> no that is not what i meant i know but that's right but you're like i just wanted that's to go where I'm going. <laughs> you're like we all have free will and i'm gonna talk about the finger no i've had i've had yeah I've had, i remember the first time that happened and it was just like whoa the it's first like, time because it just <laughs> kept happening oh yeah but it totally uh yeah it and it, anyway there you go it just happened and there all of a sudden you got, you're frozen <laughs> you're like oh oh i can't move <laughs> i mean and why do they do that like i'm curious i've not had a lot of that um and are they like oh they're gonna like this this is gonna impress them um he'll be aware of my prowess now funnily not much of a conversation i don't know it doesn't (laughs) i'm now inserting my index but it's just all kind of heat the moment kind of thing yeah 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 Um, roll with it roll with it because at that particular time that she was enjoying that herself oh in and so then i think she just assumed when i was in a certain position that she would just go whoop and i was like whoa okay so there you go um that's it so i hope my daughter's listened yeah exactly this will be archived for later (laughs) years and she'll be like daddy how do we get on to anal sex from your fitness regime oh yeah well it's my own personal exercise routine i have no 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 i don't running away from anal sex (laughs) like exactly exactly here it comes run so it's high fat high protein high fat high protein yeah let's get back on track and uh so i'm doing that and that's fine because who doesn't love fat (laughs) poor old jenna i did just get off the phone to her today to tell her that i was that that was the end of the podcast (laughs) so i feel bad that you guys didn't get to say goodbye to her or anything like that she is as she promised so she will be coming over and we will do a final patreon episode um, so maybe we can ask, add on a little short goodbye from Jennifer um, next week. We had all sorts of people uh, coming on the show. And uh, again, it was all about interesting stories. And one that I thought that you guys might find interesting to look back on here was the story of my mother because of um, her being uh, an immigrant um, but of her having the interesting story that she has. It kind of does tell you a little bit about me to... 
to a point because you know um i didn't grow up in an irish household i grew up in in ireland but you will hear this woman you realize that oh there's a different culture going on there in the home but uh, my mom is a really interesting uh woman uh, she's a bit of crack as well um but uh, it was a super interesting conversation with my mom especially when she talked about growing up in argentina so in terms of when anyone ever asked me about comedy right how i got into it and all blah 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 <laughs> Right. I always you can't be doing all this stuff off camera and pulling funny faces because because nobody gets it. It's just a recording one. She's okay. making me laugh by pulling silly faces off the interview listeners. But anyway, um when the people ask me about comedy, how we got into it, I always say that I definitely didn't get it from my dad. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, right. No, no, you definitely didn't get him from from him. No. Did you all were you always a bit of a performer? You, like, cause you I remember you telling me stories about being in school and been asked to uh, yeah i suppose you know i was an only child and as uh, when you're an only child you develop more your imagination because you don't you haven't got playmates and uh, and so uh, you, you are more creative in that sense and uh, i my household was quite restrictive and so when uh, because of the size of it and not because of the sizes, because of the parenting t- yeah. style. And so um, the, it wasn't a place where you could express freedom freely who you were. Um, so when I was, especially when I was in secondary school more than in primary school, in primary school, I don't recall about doing anything. But um, in secondary school, yeah, I started to imitate teachers and the way they spoke or the way they, they uh, taught uh, or people from the television. So if we had a free hour that the teacher didn't turn up uh, <laughs> for teaching school because okay. they were sick or something right. like that. So they were uh, left in the classroom uh, to your own devices? Um, we we had a supervisor there okay. by the door. or uh, But sometimes maybe the supervisor left or whatever. But he let us do things as long as we were not too rowdy yeah. so the girls will say oh come on come on come on go on now and imitate so and so so i i used to go and stand up and imitate different people uh, i got quite good about one particular teacher who came from the northeast part of argentina where they have a peculiar accent okay and um and she was so happy with me imitating her that she used to take me to other classes so the other <laughs> classes would hear how she spoke about me <laughs> <laughs> so you were so you were the performance school. She brought you around to so where in Argentina was she from? Like uh, Mendoza area or South? No, no, northeast. So she was oh, from Corri- Corrientes, which would be uh, the area bordering with Brazil. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. And what's the difference in the accent there? A bit more singing. Uh, yeah, it's a much more musical. Now I wouldn't know because it's a long time ago and I haven't been there, but it's a different accent, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So what are your memories of growing up in because everybody listening here now, I doubt there's anybody listening in Argentina. And every time I go to Argentina, which is not, not always that often I, I always think flying in looking over the city and kind of realizing how huge Buenos Aires is and this whole other world that's going on on the other side of the world that I'm not, like I grew up with very little aware, well, awareness through you you know but nobody back in Ireland knows what Argentina is like you know kind of a thing mm. um, what are your memories of growing up in the apartment with your your mom and dad um, well, initially, I was in a house uh, that we were rented, and it was a type of the design of house, um, le- what we I would say Italian style, because there were so many immigrants from Europe who came after the Second World War, uh, and even before that, mm. uh, um, Buenos Aires was always looking to Europe for the building and all of that, so 
um, the type of house that I grew up uh, until I was six years of age uh, was a house that had the patio. Uh, and what you mean the patio was like a rectangular place, you know, and the kitchen was uh, at the bottom and then the bedrooms were uh, next to each other, but the patio was not covered. So okay. what it was connected were the, the bedrooms. To go to the kitchen, you had to come out, come out of the bedroom to go into the kitchen. Oh, to go across. Uh, so you got to go across the patio from the bedroom. To a the little bit, just around the corner. Okay. It was in a corner. So that was the type of Italian uh, type of housing, uh -huh. you know. That, kind that, of like what uh, Marcel and Clemente were living in recently enough, kind of a thing. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, those type of places that the room a face uh, the, the square the yes, patio yeah, exactly yeah. That, that's the, the way it was but then we we move into an apartment which was just a one bedroom apartment and that uh, was quite small you know i i uh, would sleep in the the living room mm -hmm. uh, or the which was living room and dining room together and my parents had a bedroom uh, and um, so and I mean, I was an only child. My my friend uh, across from the corridor, who they were in another apartment, and there were five in a one bedroom apartment. In the so, same size of apartment. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. In the was same. Was that I Irene? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, wow. So she, I didn't realize she was literally across the yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, hallway yeah, from yeah, me. Oh yeah, wow! Yeah. And this is in Buenos Aires city center. Buenos Aires, yeah. It wouldn't be. It would be. It would have been around twenty minutes on the on the metro to from the really city center. Okay. It, it was a neighborhood, uh, like the French would call a quartier. You okay. know, a, a neighborhood which was predominantly Jewish. Yeah. Ah, that's mm -hmm. right. I remember you saying that. Yeah. And uh, so when you're growing up at that time in, what was it called? Vija something? Was it a Vija? Or? A Vija, Vija Crespo. Yeah. Oh, you were in Vija Crespo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, which no. I've been to now many a times. Yeah. Since, which is technically where Mariam and Enel still live. Yeah, Vija exactly. Crespo and all that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. yeah, yeah. So you were in that area that whole time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always live around the area for, with the exception of one year that we move further uh, away, like... 15, 20 minutes to another area just for a year. Yeah. And then we came back. Yeah. And what did your mom and dad do? Uh, my dad was a barber and um, barber in the city center uh, where um, in the part of Buenos Aires, which is next to the port, where all the banks are and all the investment places, uh, where the government house uh, is, you know, Casa Rosada and yes, all of yes. that. So he was a barber first in one in one barber shop, which was quite large, and they also sold tobacco and pens, and uh, and there were loads of different barbers, and uh, it was called Casa Britannica, British House. Oh. I don't know for why, why what was the reason, and then he he moved to another place. And in those days, you know, a barber was quite an important person because a lot of the people that he cut the, the hair, um, did the hair for, they were directors in banks or engineers and things like that, that they needed to look well. Big movers know? in the city. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and my mom just worked from home. Uh, she just did uh, things in the house, but she was always knitting or doing things for selling and things like that. Yeah, she, that's why she made a lot of. You were saying before that you got embarrassed at, at certain points when she because she, she made a lot of your clothes. She did made of, of a lot of my clothes, and they were not to my liking. And <laughs> I didn't like the material, uh, but she was quite a strong personality, so she had you had to wear them, uh, and it was um, yeah, it was a bit hard. <laughs> she was because uh, uh, I mean it's okay. She so she passed. Away now in 2002 hmm. i remember i came back from 
remember I came back from the States and okay. uh, she passed away yeah. not long after when we were living out in West Dublin. But um, yeah, she was quite, it was, and Ernesto passed away. My granddad passed away five months to the day, I think, before I was born. So I never got to meet him. No. But Nona, from my memory, was because she didn't speak English. <laughs> but she was a quite an anxious person, wasn't she? She was, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so was. it was difficult. It was difficult to be the only the only child to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A lot of uh, anxiety and worry all the time. Yeah, yeah. And is that? Do you think that was because of where she came from? Because she was an Italian immigrant, basically to Argentina, so never a lot of money, never. Um, I I think so. The upbringing had a lot to do, you know, because she left Italy when she was ten. And she left behind her grandmother and she loved her grandmother very much. And in those days, the family could not emigrate together because they didn't have enough money. A lot of Irish people would understand this because uh, they would have gone through the same thing. mm. So my grandfather would have uh, moved first and then uh, my grandmother with my mother and her brother moved. Uh, but then things didn't work out, so her parents end up being splitting up. Oh. Uh, and so the idea of the America, where you will find money, money in the uh, streets, was that money what they in said? the streets, yeah, yeah. Uh, evaporated very quickly. She went two years to school, and then at age twelve, she had to start working cleaning okay. houses. Um, plus, I think the fact that the situation in Argentina it's has always been very unstable, you know, economically. So that produces a lot of anxiety in people. So, um, but she she had, I think, because of her bringing a sort of very um, half empty glass way of looking okay, at things. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that was part of when you were. Uh, it was it was a difficult difficult upbringing with her because she was anxious all the time but was that part of the reason why you hopped on a ship then later on in life to kind of go travel the world and uh, um no not 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 really it wasn't i think i just did that because um i felt i mean by that stage i had an understanding of uh, how uh, life could be when you believe in God. Mm-hmm. And I find myself in my own faith stuck uh, and I wanted to grow. Okay. Uh, and, and, and Nona had as well, be, at that time, had she become yeah, a Christian yeah, yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she had been attending uh, um, an evangelical church for, for several years. And, um, and I was 25 at the time, so I felt I needed to be stretched. Okay. And and that's yeah, and that was going to be a, a big stretch because you know I have never traveled outside Argentina, nor I have ever lived with other people. Uh, so it you was, was and which is quite normal in Latin culture. You were still living at home at the time, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so and you were working. Were you working in a bank? Yeah, I was working in a bank. Yeah. What were you doing there? I was a secretary to okay. a manager. Yeah. Is that how you got your amazing? handwriting no i got the amazing handwriting from school from the nuns <laughs> from the nuns in school yeah <laughs> it get good no, no 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 i'm afraid all the way that the way that people think about nuns uh, um uh, here and the experiences that they had i could not say that actually okay. my my um, nicest memories are going from my from to the catholic school oh, which really? was a, a private school okay and then i had to go to a public school me and my mom changed me and uh, but no no i had the, the wonderful memories of that school yeah one of my favorite uh, bits on the show is when i called over to my mate's house the poet jeff 
and we had a brilliant conversation. That is an episode well worth checking out. But uh, the poet Jeff is, as it says on the tin, an amazing poet. But this particular poem that he uh, was one of his first, I think, that he said that he performed, but it really struck a chord with audiences at the time. I remember getting a lot of um, messages about that. And he very kindly performed uh, one of his uh, poems on the podcast. So here it is. You should check out that episode as well. Thank you. Cheeky request. You wouldn't finish it off with a poem, would you? Yeah, yeah. Um, you want. Um, what one will I do? I'll do. I'll do my first kiss one. Will I? Because yeah, cool. Uh, I have to stand up to do it. Will I? Will yeah. I introduce you? Yeah, no? just before I go. Yeah. Before I do this, um, there's one other. Just like I'm working with another group. I'm about to work with another group. Okay. And I just really want to say because it's very important. I met a guy, Andy from Pavy Point, who's doing some wonderful things with um, young travellers. And he's getting them to help them around expression and kind of getting in touch with uh, with how they feel and and using that in a positive way. So mm-hmm. I'm hopefully going to be working on a book with him to help to help the help these guys uh, maybe do some poetry or, or creative writing or something and okay. put it together into a book. Yeah, it's only at the beginning of it, but I think like like uh, the stuff that Pavi Point do is is incredible, and I'm really excited about working with that. So like that was that's one of the like projects this year that I can't wait for. Amazing! I'm looking forward to, to hearing the results of that. That would be yeah. really cool. Yeah. Best of luck with it, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to stand up for this one? You were saying I'll do stand up because I I, yeah, yeah. I don't like um I don't like perform when I'm sitting down. I kind of feel like I don't know. Ravel this lead. That's the enough here. there. Yeah, I can do it there. Okay, that's dope. enough. Yeah, thank and you. This one is called First Kiss. First yeah, and I suppose this is the one that, this is the first piece that I wrote that people kind of started to stand up and listen to. And it kind of, from this, everything else has just unraveled. Like when I was seeing, when Alice Kinsa saw me in that bar that night, kind of locked, <laughs> I brought, like just bringing in my own bottles and sparking them under the table and drinking them and then going up on stage. And like from there, like, and, and then the, from this is the piece like that was kind of. That started it all, I suppose, yeah. Amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, Jeff, for you, uh, having thank me in you. your home. Thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is First Kiss. Sorry, this is First Kiss by the poet Jeff. I'm Tourteen. And my shorts dirty. From all the foot you've been playing all day. The score something all and it's next goal the winner. And I gotta score soon because I'm late for my dinner, but my folks know how important this is to me. And they leave me be. Ah, should we wait and see? I'll probably still be in trouble and get bent over one day. The girls rock up me man up to show off to the crowd and whether it's come here, come here or some other jeer we scream out something loud. I'm wearing my favourite tracks and my hair's on fleek. I'm a decent looking dude but I'm all shy and meek. But the only kiss I've gotten is the one on the cheek and that'll change soon though. Could even happen this week. So as the girls rock up we put in the show and I'm getting late for dinner but fuck that if I'll go. Because Kate's here. She walks up to me. Slowly. Softly. And with those eyes and that hair, she looks deadly. And in my dreams, she has led me into all sorts of happiness. But right now, it's just us. What's the score, she says. Who's winning? And just like my dreams, this is just the beginning. So I smile and say nothing. Just take it by the hand. Rub her fingers down. Rub my fingers down with the side of her face. Or I show she understands. It's time to step up to be a man. And as she's squeezing my hand, I kiss her lips. There's moving a boat for her hips to show it's going well. Well? What? Shit. I drifted off there. And she's staring at me, waiting for an answer. Something about footy, yeah, I think I'll chance it. Uh, we don't really keep score. It's kind of more for the love of it. Fuck. What a tit. She'll think you're full of it. Ah, cool, she says, and walks away. My first kiss left away for another day. I'm 14, and the kiss still hasn't come. I tell my friends it's more important to have fun. 
I'm still playing footy, but inside I feel numb. Jesus Christ, Jeff, just kiss anyone. There's an under-16 disc and when I ask Kate again. We go over here and then try and pretend that there's no real attraction, that we're just there as friends, but the way she looks at me is crazy and I wish I could beg, borrow and lend some courage. Just for the night. Just fucking kiss her, dude, before she bails and take flight. She won't wait forever. And tonight she's looking better than ever. She's like an angel from a Yates's love letter, blonde hair, blue eyes and just a hint of eyeshadow. She's in a new dress too. Don't be stupid, dude. This is all for you. Bring her out to the dance floor, get the congrats from the crew. Hopefully, this time will be new. She whispers in my ear that she likes my new shirt. Now looking back it was too big but that didn't matter to her. We slow dance to some song about falling in love and the kiss is coming quickly but I'll sure need a shove. Just stop thinking about it. You make it a too big an issue. Look at her eyes dude, she's with you, it'll be bliss too. A kiss between young fools, it's on you. But you're back away after the chance, after the dance. You miss your chance. You make it too much about romance. Go back to the boys and their bromance. Fuck. Inside I feel ill. I feel like going home and throwing on the smiths and then chill. I feel like crying if I could just sum up the will, but I don't. Kate looks over hurt. There's tears in her eyes. She thought I'd make the move and questions why I question why. I want to tell her that I'm sorry. I'm sorry this was on me and that I failed. This first kiss feels like a prison. I keep building more walls to this jail. Kate walks over and starts dancing with Rob. He's only two minutes with her before you lobs the gob. He made that look easy. I feel queasy. What the fuck's you doing with that slob? You all right, Jeff? Me? Yeah, not a care. But inside of my quietness, scream is not fucking fair. Hey, lads, who wants to play truth or dare? I'll go first and smash this point back without coming up for air. I hope that'll take the hurt away. I'm 16 and I'm mixing with a new crew from work. I still haven't kissed yet, but I've blocked out that hurt. My friends think I'm gay and that's okay, maybe it's this flashy shirt. It's certainly something with the way I dress, which is the only way I can express. So I care less and less and less. Fuck it. I started drinking. Not a lot, just one or two. This dude I work with tells me he thinks I'm mad smooth. Says I should leave behind me a trail of women without being rude. Says women are there to be respected and not a commodity to be used. I'm stuck in his every word like Lou. He's like a brother to me. He's a special kind of guy. He says he'll help me get over my fear of being shy. Says the hardest thing about women is the first word, so just say hi. Introduce yourself. Ask if they want a drink and that's your boy. And then just start talking bollocks and try and make them smile. It's a game. Enjoy the chase. That's it. This one day I'm working, the new hires begin. I go over for a gander to see what state they're in. I'm stopped in my tracks. I can't get my breath back. There's Kate. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe I could show the ropes, be our mate, ask her kiss her, not make another mistake, but I have to play it cool. So I brush past and pretend I'm taking this still. Oh, hey, Jeff. I didn't know you worked here. Yeah, a little while I got the job for me old here. I see you just started. That's ace, to be honest. I love working at this place. The people are cool and I made some great mates, so... How you been? Haven't seen you in an age. She looks at me with those vivid blue eyes and says, Great. I'm going to find it hard to wait. Play it cool, man. Play it cool. Weeks go by and then months after that. Most break times are just me and Kate having the chats and a lot goes back to the past and she asks if she'll see the lads. I say, yeah, they're still there. Still having the crack. It's good to have her back. There's a night at work and we're hitting a local bar. I ask Kate if she's going to feel the beat in my heart. It skips as she says yes, she'll be said to be there after dark. She says she's glad that I'm going and can't wait for the party to start. All I can think of is that I'm leaving my mark. Cool. See you Saturday, so. It was all fun and games in this part. I pick my shirt carefully. It's a match winner that fits and looks she hot me. I share I put on a spray and a dolled up mercenary. I have to look good so she just sits and stares at me. You look good, son. Are you meeting anyone nice? Nah, man, I'm just heading out for the night. 
She says, okay, but I can see her think, yeah, fucking right. She sees that skip my step and that look of the light. Tonight's going to be the night of all nights. I can't wait to get in head straight to the bar. Uh, a point of Dutch courage, mate, will you make it go far? See the lads in the corner all having a jar. My heart feels like a passenger in a spun-out race car. Kate walks in and I stop. She looks amazing. I have to be careful now because she's got full gaze on. Wave over and smiles, happy day, son. It's like a romance from a place come. I take my time before I go over to talk. Jesus Christ, Jeff, don't let her know the tour just stalk. Glance over for her, look, she's also grabbing a hawk. I take a deep breath and then I walk. That walk of walks. It's like my body is cheese, my mind is chalk. I hope I'm able to talk. Her hair soft on her face and her eyes vivid blue. She tilts her head slowly and stares straight at you. Her smile tells a story like she knows what I'll do and her eyes light in glory saying it's on you, it's all on you. I smile and say hi and ask her she wants a drink. And before she can think I grab her hand and feel my heart sink. It's like I'm rushing a letter of the finish quick before I run out of ink. I rub my fingers down by the side of her face. This is what Mac meant when he said to enjoy the chase. I'm taking my time, taking everything in. The score's something on, I'm just about to win. She closes her eyes and her heads come together. She puts her hand on my chest and I let her, in fact I beg her. This night's getting better and better. It's time. I've waited my whole life for this. Our lips join. And that was my first kiss. Oh, what a kiss that was as well. Speaking of kissing, we ended up covering a lot of dating stuff on the show, on the podcast. There was an amazing episode with Enej, I remember. of. I think it might be the highest amount of listens I ever got on an episode was Enej and I talking about our sex lives. <laughs> but we learned a lot on the show about dating lives and what people go through. We went into it a bit deeper on Patreon when we had some of the patrons coming onto the show talking about their experiences and, of course, the amazing stories of Griselda, when she sent in her account of her dating um, analysis and and experiences that she had on specific dating um, adventures. But we also had comedians on the show as well. And on this clip, you're going to hear it was episode two, but it was the first episode that I recorded with my brand new podcasting equipment at the time. I was so delighted. But it was great to have the wonderful... Very funny, Eve Darcy, to talk about the weird and wonderful world of dating. But man, does it get weird, but funny sometimes too. So, right. So, I went on a date with this guy. Is this the Saturday night one or is this a weird No, no this, was, this was a Tinder okay. date. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, it was Paddy's day. So, I met up. Ouch, that's going to be rough, isn't it? Well, no, because we met and uh, we met actually at the Collins Barracks uh, Lewis stuff and oh, we went yeah. to the museum. Very nice. Yeah, because like nobody is in the museum on Paddy's Day. Yeah. So it's actually super zen and lovely. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But um, So we went there and uh, straight away, though, very handsy. Like straight away. How do you mean? He was. He was. <laughs> what would like you as mean? in like wanting to like put his arm like around my waist and that's like the first around. time you've met yes oh so, my god that's too much like hypersexual like <laughs> hypersexual is this an Irish lad no yeah see <laughs> <laughs> see how I knew that see how I knew that there is no Irish bloke would try that you're right he's he's no Latino Irish. that's for sure uh, no he's um he's British Indian oh. which is also not a combination you would expect to be I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Is he? Yeah. I mean, Indians can be. Uh, can be. Uh, I have an Indian mate in in London, and <laughs> yeah, I can get handsy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, this quickly. guy is super right. fucking handsy. My okay. God. But I don't know. That's I can't be judging yeah, the whole of, of a country yeah, yeah. off my people. one handsy mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So okay, super handsy. Sorry, I suppose the suggestion is there that it was maybe that it's a cultural thing. But anyway, going totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, you're right. Like, I, I really don't think an Irish guy would have would have done that. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Um. Now, also <laughs> bearing in mind, I've been out drinking the night before. I was very hungover, and um, when we met, so you know, you're a bit hungover. Everything is like, you just you just want everything to be slow. You have the fear a little bit. Yeah, well. and but also you do kind of just want to be cuddled. Aww. So there was like all oh, this kind of. I was like, oh, it's kind of nice, but also this is weird. We've just met. <laughs> But uh, so yeah, I was just a bit, I was very delicate. And um, so, yeah, he was fun and all that. Like he like good energy. However, it was very much like um, he was, you, you were under no, like I was under no illusion as to like what he actually wanted. Like it was kind of like we'd have a, we in conversation. Yeah. But he had this look in his eye that he was like, I'm not listening to a word that you're saying. Just want to have sex with you. And like, I'm not saying that like as a thing about me, I'm going to do an Irish thing now. And I'm like, it wasn't about me. Genuinely. I think he would have fucked anyone. And no, I, did, I didn't fuck him at all. But like, um, but he was just like, he was wow. just so, so hypersexual. And uh, so but, how does that date end? How does so that? the date, uh, the date then, right? So, okay, we're on the date or whatever. And then he goes, because um, I said I have to meet friends or whatever. So I tend to do this actually whenever I, I organize a date. I have something I to get do. Out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So generally what it is, is like if I have a gig on, I'll organise to have a date before it and I'll just like get the date done and then wow. go do the gig. I'll be asking questions next time I yeah, see yeah, yeah, the yeah. gig. Well, generally because I kind of am like, 
I don't want to go into town and spend an evening just doing a date. Uh-huh. So I, I, well I kind of, like, I definitely don't have it, as, it. A, as a priority, right, in my life. Because I'm like, I'll just fit it in here, you know, when I'm doing this these errands. But um, so, yeah, so then he was like, uh, oh, do you want to come up to my house for a glass of wine? And I said, no, we just met an hour ago. No, wow. definitely not. And my phone doesn't work. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, Like, he shouldn't, you know, whatever. But um, he's like, oh, come on. And he's like super, like, persuade, like, you know, persuasive and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, definitely not. I'll have to meet my friends. No. So, when, like, I wouldn't have gone up anyway, even if I hadn't to meet my friends. But anyways, I went into town, met them. That was grand. But like, and then on Tuesday night. Uh, so, okay, right. I'm going to be honest. Okay, because we met up a couple of times because... You um, met up with this guy again after that? Yes, okay. I know, yeah. No, no, sorry. Because, no judgment here. <laughs> because um, I think that, um, you know, if someone uses the word clit wand on a date... <laughs> like... <laughs> I want to know more. What the fuck is that? I want to know more about what? that, right? <laughs> Like that sounds promising. I'll say that to my girlfriend later on. What? <laughs> <laughs> like that's you know, like that's a fairy tale I'd get on board with, you know? Um a clit one. <laughs> like what a good what a good word. Oh my god. So he was saying he had a good clit one. Oh like oh man, like it was all sex talk. Like it was all kind of like how good he was. How good he was at sex. Like it was all about Grow sex. Up, Stephen, come on. It was all about sex. Right. And it was all like how like how good he was. And like obviously Someone's talking like that to you about sex and like all these things. I want to check this shit out. Of course, yeah. like you get turned on by all that, yeah. right? So like, so I was like intrigued. Okay, uh-huh. so a part of me, <laughs> a part of me, was like, uh, oh, what a kind specific of, part? Of yeah, you. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> was uh, was like, oh, okay, I might like check this out a bit more, you yeah. know. And uh, although then again, right, I have learned in my dating life. That is something men say. Men do kind of go on about like how good they are and like or or how uh, they think sex is about the other person's enjoyment and all this kind of stuff. Right. It's anyway, not necessarily correct in reality then. But uh, this guy really did seem I was like, oh, my God, like he probably, you know, maybe he can walk the walk as well. Right. <laughs> so uh, so I met up with him on Tuesday night for a few drinks um, in a bar. And that was uh, yeah, that was fun. And it was a different. He was much like better behaved let's say okay. than he had because I just told like, he basically I, had a wank before he went out maybe time. yeah <laughs> because I said to him on like on Sunday I was like you're you're very intense man like you okay, need yeah. to calm the fuck down like you're just I was like you've good like positive energy and all that but like you need to calm down we've just met fair play Um, and he's like oh sometimes I can be a bit much or whatever and I said you are a bit much at the minute right Um, so that's pretty cool of you to do that because you're also not shutting him down yeah, you know I guess. I mean? Yeah, because because you know maybe he's it, it come, like genuinely excited by being you know around a beautiful girl, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and he's <laughs> he's literally too excited, so you have to kind of go. That's what he was saying. But like, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I don't care, man. Like, it's not appropriate. Yeah, yeah. You need to just yeah. just calm the fuck down. But, you, but yes, yes, you, there was. It was still calm down, you fucking idiot, and kind of. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Complete judgment, I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and like not discarding yeah. someone so totally. Yeah, but um, so. So yeah, so we met on Tuesday night. That was that was quite nice. And then uh, I was doing yoga on Saturday. He lives around like close to where I do yoga, uh-huh. and um, he was like, 
you know, like morning or whatever. And I said, he's like, what are you up to? And I said, I'm just finished yoga. And he goes, oh, let's go for coffee. So we went for coffee. That was all fine. And then he, so then it was like, well, we maybe like next time, like we'll hook uh-huh. up or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, I was kind of like, yeah, I might just like check this out, see what this is like. However, so that was one part of me. That was like the, maybe like the devil uh, horny part of me that was like, <laughs> just going to go for this. I did have reservations like my kind of intuition was like no don't think this is a good idea okay because even it was just the like on the date like even just in conversation it was like I genuinely felt like he couldn't really see me as a person like at all it was like this is just someone I want to fuck mm. and that's fine but I, I I've just learned like I just need more than that yeah, yeah. you know because for the sex to actually be good um so I was kind of, I had reservations. Like I was like, oh man, like if even if a conversation is all about him and he doesn't even recognize me in it, what's the sex going to be like? Oh, that's that's what he was like? Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. Like it was very like, didn't give a, f- I could have told him anything about myself and it just would not have mattered, you oh, know? Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, I don't know. So I was like between minds or whatever. And then, uh, so then, yeah, over the weekend, well, then, okay, I was like Saturday night and I hooked up with some guy, right? God. Uh, and that was all fine or whatever. And that guy was very lovely. Um, but so then I was like, I definitely don't want to meet this dude. Like, I've clearly been putting it off for a while and yeah. whatever. So and I was messaging him over the weekend and I was like, listen, it's not going to happen. You know, I'm, not, I'm just I'm not interested. Uh, he didn't take that. He definitely wasn't listening to that. Like, he wasn't kind of. Okay. Uh, hearing bells are what to I go. was, yeah, yeah, um, and to the point like where I was like, oh, I'm glad this is a conversation we're having in text and not in person. Okay, because um, he would try and yeah, control it. I think so, yeah, and uh, so I was like, uh, no, no, like, dude, it's really not going to happen. So this was going back and forth for a while or whatever, and then, uh, then when he finally got the message, right, then he was like, started disclosing loads of things that he had not said. So when it was certain that I was not going to have sex with him, yes. Uh, basically then he started kind of saying like just how much of a like what his sex life is like and like you know big into threesomes like okay, right. quite a few orgies wow okay uh, and then so after saying a few of these kind of things uh, uh, then he goes oh I also have a confession to make and I was like what the fuck <laughs> what is the confession after all that yeah exactly I was shitting and I was like thank fuck I never had sex with this guy what the fuck why is he confe- what's he confessing oh don't tell me he's got something bad S- I don't know he didn't confess or that he just said he's like oh I'm bisexual right yeah wow. which I'm like that's fine but you need to yeah, I yeah. feel like that's something he should have said before well it was certainly with all the talk that he's talking you know, yeah. So was his clit wand an actual individual that was going to come? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Introducing my clit wand or John, as we like yeah. to call it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, um, shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, that's not cool. Like, you shouldn't yeah. be fucking saying this shit before yeah. you're going to have sex with someone. Not confessing it when you know that they're not going to have sex with you. Wow. What a fucking. Well, I mean. It's such a cliche, dodge but the bullet, material. Dodge the bullet, but you got some material. Yeah, certainly. and that's the exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally dodged the bullet and possibly STDs, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, Jesus Christ. Ah, yeah, the old dating world. Has anyone else out there met somebody with a clit wand? <laughs> the clit wand. Give it a fucking rest, would you? 
We had, uh, over the, at a certain point when we got into lockdown, um, I got in touch with, well, actually, a listener of the show got in touch with me, offered his services to produce the show, and that was Leon Vaughn. Um, thank you to Leon for the help that and the input that he had in the show, and we really started to kind of make what was a bit more of a radio show. We started to add, you know, mix up the interviews. We had different segments on the show. I remember all sorts of stuff happening, like I remember getting free, loads of free food. That was a great point of, of lockdown, that I was getting lots of free food from empanadas to Argentinian chorizos to muggerly pies as well. All sorts. It was amazing. Um, but... We just really, it was really great to work with somebody else to think up ideas and to try and push things forward uh, and to change it up a little. And it really up to the listenership and more and more people started getting involved and started getting listening to the show. And Leon had all these weird and wonderful contacts, but he introduced me to this guy that he'd been to school with like years ago. By the way, Leon lives out in the US, so we've only ever met on Zoom. Um, and... Uh, he introduced me to Dr. Paul Quinn, a guy who was in he was in school with years ago. And I, and I remember asking Paul, like, how would you know Leon? And, and he was like, well, yeah, I haven't seen Leon in, in decades, maybe. You know, I, I know him. But Leon was great at all those connecting things. And Dr. Paul Quinn was a great episode because he had an amazing story to tell about the work that he does. He's a music therapist. Not only that, he's an extremely talented musician. And uh, he sent me a beautiful recording of him playing this uh, song. Check it out. This is something just to sit back, relax, and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, I am delighted to present to you, written by Michal Sullivan, Woodbrook, performed by Paul Quinn.
I don't know where this idea came from. It probably just the basic boredom of lockdown. But I started to do these sketches because everybody was certainly upset. I was upset as a comedian that I was losing out and doing stand-up comedy gigs and making people laugh. That was difficult. But then I just started to mess around with it. And um, I just had hours upon hours in my bedroom on my laptop trying to come up with creative ideas of how to make people laugh and have a bit of bit of crack um, and this is before Leon got involved and uh, I started making these little sketches that are not half as talented as what Dr. Paul Quinn uh, played there but anyway this will give you a flavour of what we started doing over lockdown there was much better performances than this can I just say but uh, anyway I think this was the first one an American pub you know, a music in an Irish pub is a very specific thing it's you know there's a bit of crack there's a bit of forcing so and there's no performers by the way it's just anybody anybody out of nowhere somebody who can't even sing gets up and sing and all of a sudden you know everybody else is go go on get up there and fucking sing a song and you're like no i don't fucking want to you can imagine imagine it close your eyes now picture this picture an irish pub after covid19 is all over and we all get together I've been a wild rover for many a year And I spent all my money on whiskey and beer And now I'm returning with golden great store Sure I never will play the Wild Rover no more And it's no, nay, never No, nay, never, no more Sure I'll play the Wild Rover No, never, no more I went into an alehouse I used to frequent spent I asked her for credit she answered me nay such a custom as yours I could have any day and it's no nay never no nay never no more and I'll play the wild rover no never no more I took from my pocket ten sovereigns bright And the landlady's eyes opened wide with delight She said I has whiskies and wines of the best Ah, the words that I told her were only in jest And it's no, nay, never parents confess what I've done I'll ask them to pardon their prodigal son and as they caress me as of times before sure I never will play the wild rover no more and it's no wrong fucking hunting cause not a big deal, so just fucking keep going, like, huh? Hey, come on, keep going! Fuck off, you! And it's... No name, never. No 
Jesus, he's shy. And it's no name never, no name never no more. And I'll play the wild rover, no never no more. And it's no name never. Raise up your skirts, no name never no more. Shall I play the wild Lo- more stories and more wonderful people and of course comedians were a huge part of the show and I loved having comedians on but I loved having this particular comedian on Ali O'Rourke because she got to talk to me about something that I was completely ignorant on and that's why it was a really interesting episode because I said to her I'm ignorant what is it like growing up being trans in Ireland <laughs> and was it hard going up being trans in 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 Midlands Ireland, where as we, as as we've just been saying, like people are taking the Mickey out of people from just because you're from a different country. <laughs> like from if you're from a different county, do you yeah. know what I mean? If you're different, full stop. Ireland could be quite difficult. I think it's getting better now. I mean, um, I hope. But yeah, like it it, it was. T- like I remember because I first came out when I was 15 and it went horribly wrong and I went back into the closet. But oh, really? Yeah, for like a decade, like nearly, like, you know. So, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, but like I remember um, there was like, there's this thing, like one of my friends at the time, she told her boyfriend and then there was a gang of guys in, in the local town park with knives and it got, it got uh, yeah, it got pretty what? dark and I was like avoided ta- going into town for nearly two years till I left school then. So what? So so, how did you come out? How did how did you? Well, I came out to my time? parents, to your parents, and then to friends as well. And some like friends told people, and it kind of got yeah. messy. Like, remember, folks, do not out somebody, no matter how out like publicly of trans course. or queer they are. Like, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. What I mean, it's not your business to tell. Of them. course not. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. Like, no, yeah, that's worth saying because people forget, and that's mm. the consequences that would happen. Yeah, but that was like. That's what fifteen years ago now. That's yeah. a totally different time. Like I mean, I did get jumped up on Cork Street two years ago as well. Like and the in stati- Cork Street in Dublin, yeah, right. yeah. But again with knives. I don't know what it is with transphobes and knives. <laughs> it was like uh, it was at like a skate park. So I always say uh, I, I brought a skateboard to a knife fight and I won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you were at the skate park skating away, uh, yeah, yeah. And they were just like, yeah. So like, I, I, with that one, that one's a weird one because it's like. Were they attacking me because I was trans, or were they attacking me because they wanted the skateboard? Or they want, <laughs> yeah. like they use transphobic language, but like that, right. like if you, they would have, you know, they might have said something about you being Argentinian, or you know, yeah, it's kind yeah, of yeah. a weird one. Like there is, there is a level of hate towards trans people, and the yes. statistics, but we have like one of the highest rates of uh, of race and gender identity based uh, crime in Europe. Ireland does. Ireland, yeah, it's really shocking when you saw when that right. was, when that came out. But yeah. it's also like also really weird because it's a really like progressive country. Like I changed my gender legally in three days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. and then like it's it's such a weird mixed bag in Ireland. It's the most Irish thing ever. Like it's like yeah, we're cool with this now, but we're not. But we are. It's it's it. it I think in a lot of ways that um, change in in Ireland uh, happens s- slowly and it happens. Um, 
you know, in a lot of ways we're, we're, and I think traditionally we have been far behind everybody else in, in, in a lot of change, like 10, 20 years behind yeah. England, for example, on, on, on certain things. But um, there's definitely been a wave in the last few years of major change happening, but it kind of still feels a little surface level that the whole country isn't used to it all yet. Yeah. We're still not used to immigrants coming to the country. It's like, yeah. We're like, really not. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I lived in rural Cork for a while, and I swear, the amount of old fellas that came up to me and asked me, was I Polish because of my accent? <laughs> <laughs> swear to God, that happened at least three times. It's like your Athlone accent. That's the problem. <laughs> that is the, like Jesus Christ <laughs> you couldn't write it but they were just like in their minds it was like white person with different accent must be Polish like you know <laughs> that, that was how they that's the maths that's of it, like. how like they, they were and it was it was so, it's such a strange like Irish people are strange like and I feel like the public is changing a lot but like in classic Irish our institutions aren't yeah like, I do a yeah. joke at the moment about how the HSE has more trans blood on its hands than a trans dude with a masturbation problem <laughs> on his period <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Which I love doing just for this year. Yeah, like just that's for everybody in the room to go. Oh, oh my god. Jesus! Yeah, I love watching uh, people trying to do the maths of that. Like trans, is that is like you know? Yeah, like, yeah, but it's confusing. The yeah, it's it's not a good joke in the sense that like it relatability. Me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it confuses the audience and like makes them withdraw. But I have fun with it. But um, yeah, but. Um, yeah, like the HSE is a nightmare for trans people. Like, oh, really? Yeah, okay. it's like I can't even get into it. I get like every good Irish woman, I get my healthcare from the UK. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, it's so it's true. Like, I can't even get into the Irish trans system, like despite the fact that I've been on HRT for how long, been living as a woman for how long, and like they won't even like I can't even get past the first stage of right. ring jumping. Like okay, now as p- part of the the reason I asked you to come on as well because I said to you I'm ignorant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what happens, what 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 goes on. So when you say you're on the HRT, that's yeah, titty skills. T- what titty skills? <laughs> titty skills. <laughs> Did she just shake her tic tacs about? <laughs> 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 you're getting as much fucking humor out of this fucking podcast as you can like fucking me like help me Ali I don't know here and you're like yeah titty skill Stephen do you know what I'm there you fucking don't. <laughs> I was like I shall speak for the trans uh, <laughs> everything I say is gospel I can speak for entire- we're a monolith don't you know Stephen fuck <laughs> me so if you're not laughing, you're learning, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I say. It was great to have. I mean, to be honest with you, I couldn't get in all the clips of all the comedians that we had on the show. Um, so I think you should. I'll just name off a few names. But there were Gerald Farley was on the show. Um, Michael Rice was on the show. And who else? Cornelius O'Sullivan. Um, Justine Stafford loads of great comedians have a flick through and listen that you're going to find loads of funny uh, lovely engaging conversations Keith Fox was on as well um, Ger Staunton was on Talking Football Pony it was great um, but I didn't want to just focus on comedians I wanted to focus on um, other interesting things as well things as well um, but I mean Jen is not a comedian, but he just couldn't help but get away from... We did have a chemistry. We had a chemistry. And um, I just thought I'd just post... Here was a, an appropriate time to post another wonderful, funny clip of myself and Jenna having some lols. 
podcast. Oh wow! <laughs> so there you go. But like, that's it's, great. That's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. I mean, I'm delighted for you because I'm just like, good. I want your name out there. I want you to do well. You yeah, know. Yeah, but like, yeah, but but you're you're in a beautiful spot here, Jen, and that nobody knows what you look like at this point. I know they don't know what they're missing. Eh, they Stephen? They don't know what they're no, missing. No, indeed, no wrinkles. Have you thought about speaker? Because this is what we're doing. We're creating content and having fun doing it. Yeah. Have you thought further into the suggestion of doing the the improv? Oh right, we talked about that. Yeah. I do remember that. No, I buried that idea. Like I pretty, I tamped that down pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, coffee mm. lulls, very good. Oh, <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't. I'm just Stephen. I'm really kind of focused on my holiday and my Sorry. diet Sorry. right now. <laughs> I don't really have time for this whole improv business. No, so you have no interest. In, I no, just okay. Like, when is it? It's September. You said. Well, they're doing. They're doing. Uh, they're doing a course for the whole of September, and I think I presume they do it every month. Right. I I, I, I kind of want to do. I think. I'll do it in october probably yeah if i did it it would be october because september yeah. is taken up again with my holidays yeah. i don't know if i've mentioned those <laughs> they're coming they're coming um yeah well and tell me again where it is you told it's, me before uh, in uh twisted uh, well what was twisted pepper it's now wigwam okay. in the basement there yeah okay um, they yeah yeah let's there. let's the guys do that it run are pretty cool Okay, should I, I do should I just do sign up? Yeah, it's um, mobtheater.com or something like that. I'll, I'll I'm writing that down on my list of notes. I will I will uh, send it on to you. Yeah, no, I'll uh, let's and, do that. Uh, Mob Theater. Oh, okay. Yeah, imagine we we're on the same course. We'll be we doing Well, that. that's what I was thinking. Oh yeah, you'd be I happy think that'd that? be good for us in our chemistry. Okay. Yeah. Like it would it we help don't, us grow. Yeah, we don't talk. We literally don't talk to each other. The people you got to understand, we literally just talk to each other when we press record on this. He that's comes it. into the apartment and he says, "I'm not going to ask you how you are. Save it for the podcast." and it's like we don't even make eye contact until we sit down and then so awkward yeah jesus just set up quickly so we can start talking i don't like this vibe why isn't the water out you know exactly why is there no cucumber i feel like i i mean i haven't had a lot of time to make this episode and, and like trawl through the clips fully but there are so many clips with jenna i mean there's episode upon episode upon episode of clips with jenna and you haven't heard them all so go and look through and basically any of the titles of the podcast that are named something weird them's the ones you should check out because it's guaranteed that that is going to be an episode with jenna as I said, loads of comedians on, and uh, I want to give you uh, another one, another good pal of mine. A very f- we had t- he John Spillane came on the show twice, and he was very funny, very funny. This is one of my uh, favorite clips of. I remember I had to cut promo clips and I put them all over social media, but uh, the, this conversation in particular ended up as one of the promo clips. But there was one that he ends up talking the second time he came on the show. He ended up talking. <clears throat> About his mother, his mother, whether his, about the fact that his dad had a better ass than his mum. That's John for you. So, anyway, here is the wonderful John Spillane. If yeah. someone gets upset, I think that's okay. Yeah. I think if someone gets that's upset, not the point of the show, doing, though. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, that's just being an honest reaction. Yeah. If yeah. anybody gets upset at my show, they're upset that uh, I'm bad. <laughs> They're not yeah, going to be upset because upset. I've cut into an emotional truth yeah, yeah, or yeah. I've brought up an emotion that is incredibly relatable to their own existence yeah, and life yeah. and the difficulties of trying to maneuver uh, living. No, they're just like, this person's an idiot and I have to sit and watch them be an idiot. <laughs> and they don't have to sit and watch, but yeah. sometimes they leave. Yeah, <laughs> which is a different type of... But I definitely feel that like if you want to... 
like that, when I talk about the jealousy of you lads, which is a complete and utter compliment, mm. it's the freedom of like of going up and because you ultimately you know what you're going to try, but you don't mm. know what's going to happen, do you? No. I don't like I wouldn't like to know what was going to happen exactly and I've talked to you before about writing and you said I can't write I can't sit down and do that well you physically can't write we know that It's a real weird jab in the in the middle of complimenting me you're just jabbing my disability <laughs> That's the weirdest thing ever. It'd be like going up to Ray. I'm not saying I'm like Ray Charles, but like going to Ray Charles. So beautiful the way you play the music. Can't see for shit. But you got like weird, just punch at, punching down of someone. But, it, but that's what you and said. And the whole start of the podcast, <laughs> you just open up, stop dipping and dodging, be honest. Be honest. Just so like accumulating information yeah. to destroy me. No, but you did say. <laughs> Hello, Steve-O. <laughs> the evil inside <laughs> but, sorry you but, were saying something. but you did say that like for for example writing prepared material like and i and i understand what, yeah. you, what you mean by this that you feel depressed by it, and i i get that as well like yeah. sometimes it, just, it can be depressing that process writing stand-up is yeah i like i love a reason to write so like if i'm doing like a roast or i have to write jokes for something specific i love that game oh i love like all right because i it's, it's just fun the rhythms of joke writing is fun i like writing sketches i like writing like others i like writing mm. i really like that i don't like sitting down to write just think about stand up and write i just can't do it yeah it's, my brain just doesn't work that it just doesn't it just go it just it doesn't work it becomes yeah it i i, I get what you mean and i think i i would that's what I was saying that I'm getting tired of what I knew because for me I kind of battle through that as an mm. acceptance of like okay that's what you have to do in order to get to the good point yeah. well, my mean? favorite thing I've ever seen you do was you went uh, you were doing our, myself and Michael and, uh, and I wasn't doing uh, you and Michael at all I, I've got oh come on buddy <laughs> and uh, and uh, and Stephen and uh, are you doing our show riffraff and um, you we're sitting in the, standing in the back and you looked at me and you were like there's, there's a lot of women here <laughs> i was like oh yeah yeah there's a lot, a lot of girls in the audience and then you walked on stage and for about three minutes you were <laughs> like you just me and mike actually you really signals out like well, they've just brought a bunch of attractive young women to this gig don't talk to them they're gonna invite you guys for pints afterwards don't listen to them <laughs> They're just trying to sleep, like That's just true. real. Yeah. I remember, I remember, because I remember that I was like, these, well, I was genuinely. Worried. I've never seen an audience flee a gig quicker afterwards. <laughs> I've never seen a quicker exodus of just, I oh. Think, I think I was last on. I do remember, yeah. I think I do remember Michael was standing at the back and he had his arms folded and he did the whole thing when he kind of dropped his head and kind of rubbed his forehead <laughs> a little bit. Like he was rubbing his brow with sweat and I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to keep going now. <laughs> I suppose mental health uh, just came up on the show a lot over the past couple of years. And that's, uh, you know, for a number of reasons, I've always been pretty open about my mental health um, issues that I had in the past, a lot of which were the reasons as to why I never finished my education in the first place. But um, it's come up in wonderful uh, different ways on the podcast as well. And Elva Trill is an amazing artist, a musician, uh, sorry, singer and uh, actor. And she had some wonderful things to say about her journey within mental health, but also her attitude to life and how that changed. It was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful episode. You should really check out the show and um, the episode that 
I did with the wonderful, extremely talented Elva Trill. With this in mind and the things that you've gone through and the feeling mm. of where you are, the state of your identity morphing and changing and you're getting like freedom. Yeah. You're enjoying life a bit more. I, I, that was, I, that's what I wanted to say to you. Because I remember the time in the factory that we had yeah. and how that was anxious and stressful for a lot of people because mm. we did turn up to this magical place but then there was this want to make it kind mm. of. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I remember spotting that and kind of staying away from it. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I could feel, I could see everybody else's anxiety <laughs> at the time. Oh, and also this weird competitiveness thing. Yeah. That's how it manifested, I feel like. Do you think it, it manifested? I remember in particular the week coming up to when we did our showcase, which was everybody just shot a, a two minute thing. Yeah. And all the agents came in and watched it and you'd get signed off the back of it or you didn't, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And the stress oh. that was going on in the building for that time. Yeah. And I remember going, this is what I'm doing, that's it. And I know I'm not supposed to do that and blah, blah. I did everything that we were told not to do, but yeah. I was like... What What was your performance piece again? I did... Um, I've never saw it as well because I know there was a big graduation day when everyone watched it. Yeah. And it was a big thing. I did uh, Nail by Mouth. Great film. And I rolled a cigarette in it and talked about my dad dying and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. cried. That was <laughs> I feel like we all did quite yeah, dramatic yeah. pieces. I think Jim Sheridan said, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I like getting fucking hit in the head with a hammer after watching that hour and a half of people crying. Um, yeah. And as a result, he's not wrong. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. It was heavy, man. Everybody picked some really good Everyone was doing Shane scenario. Meadows stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No crack. <laughs> no crack. But Sheila did a comedy piece, didn't she? Oh, did she? I right, okay. Because I, I haven't seen them. I never saw them. How come? I, ha- I had to go to work that afternoon. Okay. See, again, you're like, that's too cool for school. Like, you were I the, definitely you were wasn't cool. I did not want to go to fucking make coffee for people, to be honest with you. But, but, I, um, but yeah, I just, but, but that was the real, like, I missed half of the Danny DeVito thing for the same reason. I had to, the guy was going to sack me if I didn't fucking go to work. And I'm like, Danny DeVito's coming in, you cunt. <laughs> And I still had to go to work. Well, the second coffee. half of it was best. Yeah. Or, sorry, was it, were you there for the first or the second half? I think uh, I, th- I think um, <laughs> I was only like there for actually middle of it. I missed the photo at the end and all that stuff. And well, the middle was the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was great anxiety around that time of people wanting to make it, and loads of people did. Yeah, and they chased it. Um, but I look at you just from we've just come in contact again recently on Instagram. Mm. Weirdly, that I don't know for whatever reason uh, hadn't chatted to each other in, in all these years and I've been watching your videos and listening to the city and us just to kind of get a vibe of where Elva's at now yeah. and the thing that struck me massively and then we had a brief conversation through voice messages the other day <laughs> was my god does she sound calm <laughs> and I would, did I get that completely wrong but I do I do seem to get a joy in, in where you are in life now and it seems to come yeah. out through your work and a peaceful joy it would seem it's an interesting thing, that, yeah, that you picked up on on Cam. I'm not sure if everyone would agree. Right about is Cam. that just Instagram? Is that what I missed out? On? No, I no, but I I do I have I have in the last little while um, just decided that I want to have more of a soft focus life. I I kind of enjoy the idea of just sort of not having to to need as much control over and and what is making it and that kind of jazz. And I think everyone gets to that point. Because it's you know it's, it's it's such a big thing now. It's like you know, float downstream. You know you know you know you're manifesting your life and don't be trying to like 
um, make things happen. But it's like, I actually really understand. Maybe it's an age, maybe I'm getting a little bit older and I'm kind of becoming a little less stressed about things. But I do know what you mean, that the the making a thing in the factory and it's that, it's this career. And I think it's because of, I mean, when you tell anyone what you do, the first thing they're going to say is, oh, it's a hard industry, that. Yeah. That's a tough one. It's hard to get into. Yeah. And and that's drilled into us from such a young age that we're sort of frothing at the mouth trying to get anything that's going to progress us. And eventually you just realize, okay, but my worth isn't in that. I sort of have a lot more going on than just sort of turning out different pieces of work. There has to be more to life than <laughs> do you know what I'm saying. Please God. Yes, you know. <laughs> or selling your soul for something that's yeah. So fleeting. And then also you see people around you that are, that are, I guess, um, very successful in that line of work or any line of work and they still have their own issues. Yeah, they're not necessarily happy. I, honest <laughs> to God, and I know that sounds so cliche. It's not at all. But it's it, almost like if you're not sort of happy anyway, the gravity of that situation is just a little bit more daunting. Yeah. And there's more eyes on you. Yeah. And probably more expectation. And then you don't want to fall beneath because everybody, like, you know, you know, when you when you do climb up, climb, uh, climb up the ladder and let's say you're auditioning with people that, you know, people, other people might know or might might be a household name one week and then the next week you'll be auditioning with, I don't know, you're up against Kerry Mulligan or something. You're going to constantly still have those rungs on the ladder that you feel like you need to keep climbing. Killian Murphy did say that when he came in to chat to us in the factory. He said mm. that never ends. It doesn't end. The worry about... About am I going to get another job or am I going to get it versus this person yeah. or am I going to make enough money? Like that never stops. It just gets more political as you climb. Yeah, it. yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm worried about. That that's the only that's maybe where the calmness is coming from because it's like I'm I can't be stressed about where I am and then be stressed when I get to where I want to be because that's inevitably going to happen. I was watching the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, and one was robbed. Right, and she's like, all of the my jewelry, and you know, there was sentimental value, like oh, grand, yeah. But it's mostly just because like everything is gone, <laughs> like your, yeah, yeah. your all your Rolexes are gone. Yeah, yeah, it's the money that's gone. The money's gone, and and I mean, you should see the houses that these people live in, and the cars that they drive, and the lifestyles that they live. And one of them said, "We need to get away. We need to get away." And it really struck me. Where the fuck are you going? <laughs> you live in luxury now yeah. obviously you know this is just part of the point of if you are living that life and it's everything everyone else seems to strive yeah to have where's this going away yeah what are you escaping and do you know it's like yeah you're not you're when not. i get to this other destination yeah, i'll yeah. be happier it's like mm. well that's totally flawed E-Man very kindly came onto the show on a couple of occasions and we did have some very serious conversations about some of the things that he went through as a black person in Ireland and we had a conversation around the time of the George Floyd uh, killing. I He was the first person that I saw outside of lockdown that I was just kind of able to meet normally um, and it was weird but we had such a laugh so we did have some serious conversation but here is the first laugh that we um, had I, we were kind of a bit giddy I think just because it was the first time I'd seen anyone in so long Imani Dama 
<laughs> I look. <laughs> if I look like a <laughs> bro, you don't you don't know how much it actually means to me to be sitting here and doing a podcast yeah. in real life. Real life, because I am sick of fucking Zoom. Zoom. <laughs> I don't do Zoom. I can't. I can't I do Zoom comedy. I can't do none of that. Did you do it at all? No, I did one. Yeah, and it sucks because yeah. it's just like you talking and and then you're like, where's the laughs? And it's just people yeah. doing this. I got and you're like nah. I got talked into doing one right, oh, really? and th- this this decided that I was never doing it because I I was like I really didn't want to do it. Yeah. The promoter was like, no, come on, it'll be grand, it'll be grand. You'll enjoy it, you'll yeah. enjoy it. So I went to do it. The person who was on before me, Eve Darcy, God bless her, right? Yeah. She was on. There was thirty people in the Zoom room yeah. watching this fucking. And you all left. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, Eve. <laughs> 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 we are stuck today. <laughs> that is the end of this episode. <laughs> Fuck me. That was a joke, by the way. I mean, you. T- <laughs> okay, that was a joke. It's just me taking a piss. Okay, no, I have no filter. What, what really in? happened was there was 35 people in the <laughs> yeah, room. Yeah. But what. Uh, this happened early on in the lockdown people started finding out that people are doing live comedy things yeah. they hack into the room and, and they started blasting oh, pornography so there's oh, poor yeah. Eve doing her set and all you hear in the background is like ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's and a classic uh, Eve set <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> I'm so sorry Eve I'm joking have you been I'm on her joking. podcast yet I'm joking no I haven't yeah, you're I'm totally joking. not getting on it now you I'm cheeky joking. bastard it's all fun again but, <laughs> but uh, that was it I was supposed to be on after her and you were like, like no that fucking good and you look. left I lo- well the whole thing crashed and then an hour later he was like it's back up and running I was and like, like yeah nah, yeah I'm okay. <laughs> my I'm daughter's okay. going to bed yeah yeah see you later <laughs> okay. so that was it I decided not to do it but I was I mean, and I was way more nervous about doing that than yeah. doing anything else good Wait, that's just weird though. Like, good luck following that. Mm. You were like, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have jokes here. We don't really hear jokes. We yeah. want more porno noise. Yeah. That's what we paid to it see. It was poor Eddie. It was Eddie Malarkey's poor thing. And, oh. his, and, his, and his girlfriend's parents were watching the thing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's going to be embarrassing. You're like, sorry, ma'am and dad. Yeah, this is not what we planned. This is not how my comedy gig is. Normally oh, it's people laughing. Sweet Lord. So that's I, good. I used to get too, I get too nervous before it though really? as well. Because yeah, but, but the Zoom thing, not a normal, normal gig. Normal gig, yeah. Like normal gig is just like go off stage and just talk a lot of shit and, and like they laugh, people laugh. But like the Zoom stuff, it's weird because like it's just like dead silence. And it's just a lot of people just doing this. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I can't hear it back. It's just it's yeah. weird. And I there's a know, delay man. as well. Yeah, people laughing at different times. Oh my, f- I can't do it, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how have the last couple of months been? Obviously, <laughs> lockdown has been crazy. Yeah, um, for everybody, we're all stuck at home. We have our work is gone, so yeah. we haven't been able to work. But then at the same time, everything that happened in the US with George Floyd's passing, it kind of uh, seemed to ignite something worldwide. We had protests over here. How was that for you? Also, again, (laughs) it's another extra weird layer of being in lockdown. Um, and do you, you know what I mean we're all kind of stuck in this fucking hole and all and of a sudden like we like, gotta get out in the streets and do something um, it's weird because I won't lie to you I I stop trusting white people I was like I'm done speaking to all whiteies <laughs> no, I hate you so no <laughs> such an awkward moment there in the pocket I'm like alright here's where I press stop <laughs> leave <laughs> uh, no so wait uh, so so at the age of 12 i 
I no, and I got called in like the N word for the first time, right? right? Funny story. I was funny. I like the way you started with story, that. Yeah. Funny story. Funny story. <laughs> I came from church with my mom on a Sunday, right? Uh huh. And then on the Sunday, we came from church. We went to get some groceries, and then we packed the groceries into the car, and then like we drove home, right? We drove home, and then we packed the, um, like to the car park. You know the car? Yeah, pack the car park, and then because my mom was like, "Hey man, go get all this stuff into the house because you know she has slaves, which is me and my sister. <laughs> Listen, slaves, go get." All that shit into the house, right? So, so he was told we're going into the car, getting stuff in, right? Getting stuff in, right? This small kid, small kid on a tricycle. No, it's a tricycle? No, 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 yeah. no. A tricycle. Tricycle for kids. Yeah, three wheels. Good yes. because I was calling a, because um, <laughs> I was calling a, um, it was called a. Unicycle for a while. Uni- unicycle yeah, was, was one, like, one. My friend was like, "Eba, how can a baby be on the?" I was like, "Yeah, that's <laughs> totally <makes> impressive." <laughs> Unless it was born in the circus. <laughs> no. <laughs> so this kid came over on a tricycle. He cycled. He cycled to the gate. He cycled to the gate, and I was like, "Hey, what's up?" And then he just called me Edward and just cycled off. Wow. That's the first time I've ever called it Edward. So like, a kid on a tricycle, that's a small kid like small kid three or four or something like that. I just cycled slowly like the, sl- <laughs> like the slowest getaway ever I was like I could catch you if I want yeah you know <laughs> just stretch my legs yeah you know I'm black here yeah? <laughs> just, just, just but, two strides but, so what's going through your, your head in that moment I was pissed off I don't know why yeah, but I was just pissed off. I don't know why, but like, um, like I was just pissed off and I was just like angry and just I don't know. I just felt weird. That's the first time. That's the first time I recorded N word ever. I remember that day. I will never forget that day. Because I just cycled off. I felt I just angry. I and were know. you thinking about where the where the kid got it from or no. where, like or any of the psychology no, behind it? Or no, no. I was just like, I was literally. I don't know. I was sad. I was young as well. Like I think I was like twelve. I was just, I was, I was just angry and sad. Yeah. I don't know, angry and sad. Coming the end, was cycled off, and I just kept packing my stuff, going, just angry, angry, angry. Then I went to my room. I just stayed in my room. No why? That's the first time I look at the N word, and then after that, you know, you get called N words, like by him, um, yeah, but like, um, by like, a, by like a bunch of people in a car, you know, right. and like a traffic light. Right, you're yeah. like you are in a Ford Fiesta with twenty of you. Yeah. <laughs> you have no right. Yeah, you know, and just stuff like that. You know, is that in where? So that's in Dublin. Yeah, I was in Blanche. In yeah, Blanche, that was the yeah. first time I got the N word. It was in Blanche. Yeah, the f- I was surprised because I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, because no one could dare call me the N word in Kidel because I was a black, the only black kid, and yeah. they all love me. So yeah. they were like, what you call him? Yeah. It's interesting because I like not not on the same level at all. But I I moved to Blanche at fourteen with my family. And it didn't work for me at all. Blanche, it didn't like I didn't fit in, and it was like I can see why. Why pretty brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Blanche is full of Blanche is being taken over by black kid by black it, people right now. But we went <laughs> to the same school as well. I don't know if it was at the same time. I went to Cool Mine for Cool Mine. Yeah, I I, cool I, I was only there for one year. I only lasted one. Why year. got bullied? Maybe uh, I a little you. bit, yeah, yeah. Why? You didn't know. Good point. Uh, no, I didn't really have my, many friends, and I, I was, I was good at hurling and all that. So I just went to Declan's and kind of like won went to the old boys' school. Went won Dublin minor championships and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. It was sporting reasons. Actually, was the main reason that oh, I left. really. But I was, just, I was in a bad year as well. Like it wasn't a good bunch oh, really? of people. Bunch of people in your class. A lot of like it was the first time I come across drugs and all that kind of stuff. And Wait, in uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I know. Well, apparently, I just. Where was I? I yeah. must have been the weird section. I was looking for the drugs in Kumai. Where's ha, the drugs? How old are you? Because mm. I wonder. I wonder were we there at the same time? Twenty. You're twenty eight. Yeah, you. Also, way after me, right? Where well, are you? I'm thirty four. Fuck off. No. 
<laughs> I am 34. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. 34. You serious? Yeah, yeah. So you were you were in Cool Mine way after me. Then. Oh shit! Right. So it was a different time then. You know what I mean? It was like because I lived in Angar in Dublin. 15 for I lived in Angar. Like that's okay, like yeah, that's, that's little, little, little Nigeria. They call that's, it. You know that's what I mean? African Central, man. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, that was good fun actually. Always smelling good food, but also <laughs> smelling good sex. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, so man, some of the noises upstairs so, I was like holy so shit there's two things going on there's sex or somebody's getting beaten by the appearance <laughs> <laughs> ouch 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 <laughs> that was E-Man bringing in the shop and that's all that was <laughs> I promise I'll be faster with it I'm sorry I'll wash the dishes but so it was like so. Growing up in Blanche, you started to hear that a lot. Um, yeah, the N word. Yeah. So 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 I suppose an anger and a resentment is starting to build at yeah. that point, and then we get to 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 the last couple of months with George Floyd and the yeah. protests. That brings it all up for you again. It it does because, like, it does in a sense of like, I, I like don't see um, like much of, um, like representation of like. Black people, oh no, okay, okay. I don't mean just black people, foreign people, like the Asian community, the Indian, not just black, foreign, in any any way of like, I couldn't do, I can't put it in a way. I don't see them in like, um. So some don't see them in TV. Mm-hmm. I don't see them in like TV, radio, film, fair city, fair cities. I like. Like a black extra, my nigga. You can't yeah, get a yeah. black extra to be in the background. You can't get an Indian extra to be yeah. in the background. Are you are you kidding me? Mm. Are you fucking kidding me? And and then and and okay, okay. Um, for me, right, I started doing stand up comedy six years ago, right. And um, um, okay, and um, like, it was me. This two Indian, no, not Indian. Sorry, that's a bit wrong. These two Mauritius. I don't know exactly where they're from. Um, two fuck Mauritius sisters and brother. Um, okay, the brother and sister. Brother sister. This Asian girl and this Indian fella. Mm. Right, we we all doing and let's stand up together. They all quit. You know why? Because they're sending emails. They can't even get an open spot. They're not. You know, and like, and it was just very hard to just get anything get any just get anybody to be like yo like there you go just take an open spot like no one just open because because um, because everybody started shit in comedy everyone yeah. started bad okay like nobody's like boom my first gig killing it stand ovation everyone started just bad and you yeah. get me yeah so like six years in yeah like there's two three there's no, um, there's three black people doing, um, doing you know, stand-up comedy. There is no black Indian women. Fella, no black women. Mm. There was a, um, uh, there was a black girl, Sahara, for a while, but then like she left to Dubai. You know, she was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to Dubai." <laughs> uh, so and it's just weird and, I, like, I don't know, man, because like it gets to me because like. Um, like a lot of people have said, um, like a lot of people have said, um, like um, okay, like a bunch of racist stuff. Like to me, sorry, I don't like flies. I don't, I don't. Sorry, oh my fucking no, 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 no. it's a, <laughs> it's a fly. It's not a wasp. No, I know it's a. Jesus, listen. calm down. Is it gone? 
Yeah, careful. Right. Mind the hawk now. Okay, but you're okay. sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't fucking. I I was scared of flies. Oh my goodness! Well, we've got we've gone through this in my house with my two year old because we found a dead fly on the windowsill the other day. You see, and she's like, "Oh no, no, no!" Because her mom is scared of them, and I was kind of going, "No, no, he's not. He's not doing anything. Yeah, he's yeah. not moving." Do you know what yeah. I mean? So we, I was able to. Um, you know, show her no, up close and it's not no. going to jump in and all that. I'm just saying, so, the, the buzzing, oh my goodness. The buzzing? Dude, I'm scared of flies. Like, a, wow. oh, I will quit a job if I see a fly in office. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm cool. Where did that come from? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Bad nightmares? Maybe because I always see them black kids with like flies in your eyes and I'm like, I don't want to be one of them. <laughs> so I have to start. <laughs> That's your fault, Trokra. I have to start he's hating right, flies. He's afraid of flies because of Trokra ads. I have to start hating flies because I've seen <laughs> what one fly can do. They can call their cousins and yeah. they go in swarm, you get yeah. me, and stuff like that. But some girl said to me in school one time, right? Some girl that I fancied, I fan- she was like, she was hot as well in school. She was fucking hot. And like I fancied her, and everybody knew that she fancied me. Everyone was like, "Iman, she fancied." I was like, "Really?" Like they're like, "She fancied." Is this in cool mine? In cool mine, she, she was like, "I don't uh, like, um, like all our friends like Iman. She likes you." And I was like, "Nah, she doesn't." Then I, then I, then I spoke to her once. I was like, "Hey, what's up? How are you? Chatting, whatever." And she said she liked me. Wow! But she couldn't because she's scared of what people might say. Oh my god! So. Let's not talk about racism don't exist in Ireland, fuckers. It fucking does. Yeah? It fucking does. Hmm. So so like so like that, like so so many stories. I've got so many, so many stories. What do you even say to that? Mm, just go home and just feel shit about yourself. And do you talk about that to anybody <laughs> at all? Like No, it, I haven't spoke. No, no. Like this is my first time. No. Um like this is my third time. Um like um um, the go saying that to someone this is my third time for me to right. be like yo this will happen in school also there was a time it was it was um, it was uh, me and my ex-girlfriend in town um, like walking down the road and then some some lads for no reason right let's say uh, okay let's say walking on the side of the road right? on the other side of the road some, just lads walking by no reason I said none I'm chanting my girlfriend opposite side of the road you're black, baby. Go back to your fucking country. You fucking nigger. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Now, now, like, I was pissed off as I was about to, like, snap and, like, cross over the road. What the fuck did you say? But, but, um, okay, um, but I had my girlfriend there. You get me? I had my girlfriend. So I was just like, ah, let's go. She was like, sorry. She was like, sorry. She was apologizing. I was like, don't apologize. She's like, you didn't say she. She was crying. And then they started crying. She was like, I'm so, I was like, what are you crying for? Mm. They don't say that to you. I like, I don't have to deal with shit like that sometimes. Not like all the time, obviously. But sometimes, sometimes I have to deal with that shit. So I'm like, what are you crying for? After you hear that shit, after you hear people say that to me and whatever. I said, after you hear people say that to me and a bunch of my friends when we're walking down the street mm. for no reason. I'm like, this is a Why are you crying? You did nothing wrong. You get me? Like, bro, you get. What, what can you say? And then, then okay, the thing that um, going to piss me off is one person say, it doesn't happen in Ireland. Racism, are you fucking dumb? Where the fuck do you live? Hmm. Racism doesn't happen in Ireland? Are you, sorry, what? Huh? Also, why the hell, why the hell is it that every time I am in a nightclub with like a bunch of my black friends and somebody wants drugs, they come up to us. Because you sell drugs, man. Yeah, on a good day. But <laughs> listen, yeah, listen. I know I do, but 
I just don't like to be stereotyped as yeah, a yeah. drug dealer, you know? Yeah, but I'm <laughs> yeah. offended that you thought I do. <laughs> I do, but... I can get you a bag for, uh, <laughs> for some real money. So, you yeah. know what I mean? So, like, just stuff like that. Stuff like man. that, yeah. Stuff like that is fuck. I don't know, man. So, the, so, the, so this, this, the George Floyd thing did, like... Pissed me off, man. It, it, did you feel it gave you a place to be able to vent that? No, because... I don't think if it's I don't think if it's gonna change anything in this country, you get me. I don't think it's gonna change anything in this country, and um, because now, like, okay, so, okay, for example, right, um, um, like when it comes to uh, like the media in this country, right, and um, like they love, um, like rap music, they love rap music, they love hip hop, they love urban music, they call it urban, yeah, urban, they call it, they, call it, they love hip hop, rap. R&B type of music. They mm. love it. They will get tickets to see Kendrick Lamar, try to get tickets to see J. Cole, pretty to see all these, all these fucking rappers. They love all, all of the black stuff. Mm. But, all, but, but like, okay, um, rock and roll, came, people, rock and roll came from Little Richard, from like yeah, you everything, get me? yeah, yeah. But now, all of this stuff is going on and all of these people in the industry are saying nothing about it. Saying nothing about it, all um, 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 like the only thing they're doing is um, um, getting a black picture on their Instagram. I'm like, yeah. wow, you posted one black picture, you haven't said nothing since, <laughs> but you like the culture, you like the style, you like everybody. Like, go fuck yourself. Mm. I mean, from bottom of my heart, go suck my dick. Mm. I, f- I found uh, I kind of stayed away from social media. At the I time. tried to, but I couldn't, cause, cause like all of my friends kept sending me shit. Iman, read this shit. Iman, read this shit. Iman, Iman, him. Iman, um, do you think if you were like a white comedian, him, like your career would not be like bigger, like in Ireland? I don't know, honestly, I don't know. But I'm saying, I have, I have been putting my work in. I've been busting my ass for a long time in this country. I have nothing to show for it. Nothing to show for it. Yeah? Mm. Like, nah, nah, man. Keep my mouth shut, man. Because <laughs> I don't want to say anything because I will burn some bridges. But, like, I'm going to say whatever. Good luck to you. It's, well, I can see you're, I can see you're angry f- about the kind of, you know, you're making me laugh because you're eating a jelly at the same time. Angry E-man shoving a jelly in his <laughs> 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 I love jellies, man. <laughs> When a man's got a jelly, a man's got a jelly. That was uh, great fun. We were sitting out in the sunshine, I remember. That episode was actually up on YouTube. Them's were back in the days. Man, the work I was doing. Two podcasts a week, getting the Patreon up and running, doing videos as well, a producer on board, planning episodes 10, 10 weeks in advance. Crazy stuff. But as I said, it's all come to an end. Uh, it feels like it's come to a very natural end. If you've made it to the end of this over two hours long now podcast, I thank you so much. I want to say a huge thank you genuinely from the bottom of my heart to all of you guys for out there who listen to the show. I want to say um, a huge thank you to the people who contributed, to all the guests who've been on the show. Please, there's over 90 episodes there for you to go and check out. There's all sorts of wonderful conversations. I couldn't even do highlight clips for this one episode. There's people like Ashton Rogerson who um, started up a school camp teen in a school with a very very different heart with a very specific holistic way of trying to feed kids and trying to make them eat healthier and like i just thought 
thought that somebody who went and did it the way that she did it was so fascinating it was so hard to do Emma Manley was on the show as well about how she kind of came out of obscurity and now has her own fashion label and is now a mother of two all sorts of great shows my father was on as well i wanted to put some clips in from him but i couldn't just fit it in but a a fascinating man that he is sean mullen check that episode out there was all sorts of stuff going on there ladies and gentlemen um it's been a fantastic fantastic journey um i don't know if i'll be able to um do another podcast anytime soon like even just to get jenna on to say thank you and goodbye or anything like that but as far as i'm concerned for now i'm shutting it down um and i want to say sorry i forgot the other thank yous a huge thank you from me to you jenna if you ever make it to the end of this episode you probably won't listen to it because you still probably don't listen to a podcast but jenna thank you so much you've been such a laugh you've been so positive um and something sparks when we get together comedically that's for sure and i'm so grateful for that and um yeah thank you so much jenna it really means a lot thank you inej for um never never like not that you would ever block me but i genuinely say thank you very much for allowing me to be on the road the last few years doing all the stand-up comedy shows and even at the end of it now where it's all been taken away from us you've encouraged me to be able to go and take a different career path um or not even a career path like just to educate myself i'm starting at the bottom of the ladder again and i thank you for for encouraging me in that uh, I thank my wonderful daughter who um, is, uh, I told her the other day that I was going to stop making the podcast and she turned to her mom and went, what? No, it's such me podcasting is such a part of her life of me sitting in the, in the room talking or editing or, or them having to leave the house because a, a guest was coming over. Um, I thank you, my little girl. I love you so much. Um, I want to thank everybody on Patreon. Um, you guys have been genuinely amazing and I'm so grateful to what you guys did by supporting me financially. Uh, it made me keep going. It made me keep trying to get better. And um, and it, it, I genuinely built... That is the relationship I want to have in the future as an artist, is that I have a relationship with the people that are fans of the work that I make, um, and I can have conversation with them. I want to say a huge thank you to Adrian. Adrian was the man who really, really pushed me and gave me a kick in the arse to start the Patreon in the first place. I didn't want to start taking money from people people but i i knew that the amount of work that i was putting in i'd have to make something out of it and um, i i didn't know how to approach people about sponsorship but um to have a relationship with fans that way patreon was a really good way of doing that and um, so thank you adrian again thank you to leon vaughn uh, who did produce the show with me for a while and um, i know you've got a, a little child on the way got to pop you an email but um thank you uh, so much and congratulations on your child on the way uh, and yeah patrons some of the patrons off the name off the top of my head that I can remember oh thank you to Una Una did um, the design work for me and Hello Steve podcast as well um, Una's out in Hamburg uh, thank you to Martina in Finland who saw me doing a, a show uh, in the Comedy Crunch in Dublin and has supported me on Patreon ever since thank you to all the people who when I was making remember I was making baking in lockdown on all the crap that we had sending messages to each other etc etc um oh there's so many people thanks to donald who sent me a lovely email oh i said i was gonna uh, read out a couple of the emails and i actually forgot to do it so i'm going to quickly go into my inbox here and then go into the email um oh god i can't remember one second now one second here now 
Ah, yes, I found them, I found them. Um, some of the patrons who left comments on last week's podcast, Emer said, I'm devastated to hear this news. I've really enjoyed tuning in each week, and this is a brilliant production. You're a brilliant host and incredibly creative. Your, your excitement for the week that you've just had is proof that you should pursue what makes you happy. I look forward to the book, the show, the film in the future. Elaine says, I'm with you, Emer. You sounded so excited and grateful for the amazing week you've just had. No one could wish you ill can't wait to find out the new to find out the new short we'll be googling you in a few months and hopefully solve the puzzle best of luck claire says sorry to hear it's coming to an end but you really did sound excited for what lies ahead you've got a lot on your plate so it's the right choice keep up the waffle house at least we'll have a small dose to keep us going thank you so much donald sent a lovely uh, uh, message as well to say uh, went on to to talk about how he's been on his own journey with the acting and all that kind of crack as well. But he very beautifully finished off the show by say, uh, the email by saying, "I'm delighted to have been a patron of yours. You have enlightened, educated, and most importantly, made me laugh. Best of luck with all your future projects. And if you ever want a trip to West Cork, let me know, and we'll put you up. I will take you up on that, Donald." Um, that is all. I'm genuinely feeling emotional as I'm recording this last bit on my own, uh, sitting in my room in the corner of my bedroom, as I have done for a couple of years now. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just sitting here talking to myself, getting emotional. <laughs> but um, I'm so grateful for the uh, for this journey. Um, I'm, I hope you all had a laugh. Um, I hope I was able to brighten your day a little bit. And um, I please do get in touch. Hello, Steve Podcast at gmail.com. And look at... I'm sorry there's no more new ones coming out um, for the foreseeable future, but there's hours upon hours upon hours of entertainment there for you guys. Thank you so much. Um, I wish you all the best. Um, difficult times out there in the world, but keep the chin up. Stay positive, and um, who knows what's happening around the corner. Much love to every, each and every one of you. Thank you, and goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.